my gods, look at this place. Sweaty nerds. Oh, cosplay geeks. Teeth click furries. Just what we need, more homosexuals, fans, fictions. Hey, look, that sounds really good renderings of my abs. Can you guys get out of my way? I want where did you get a hundred ounce Coca-Cola? It's a gallon. Can I ask you something? Did you eat a lot of garlic crazy bread? Uh, nice, nice enough, fat. Thanks. Ooh. Fat pickles. <laughs> And welcome to Anime Baby, where space is the place. This is your host, not being intimidated by criminal threats, Mikey. Angel with me as always is... Bringing to you all the TV revolution, your co-host Ryan. And whoo boy, it's been a while since we've done a podcast, hasn't it? Well, the, well, the last episode was only posted on what? Middle of March. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, but... Uh, it's been a while for us in since, general. Since we've recorded, because, uh, put in perspective, our last episode, Blade Runner Black Lotus, we recorded near the end of February, and it is near the end of April as we're recording this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of took a bit of a month off to uh, prepare for, the, for the, uh, the, the fun times ahead. Yeah, we had to prepare for uh, our return to Anime Detour in March. Uh, speaking of which, uh, since that was uh, last month, before we get into the uh, topic of this uh, very special episode, what do you say we recap our first uh, detour since 2019? Yeah, why not? It, it was It's well-deserved, because it had been so long since we returned. Yeah, plus, we took the time in the last episode to hype it up, so we might as well give you a big con report right now. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 don't, we don't want to blue ball all our viewers out there. You know, I don't want to make you wait for that second volume of Bay Bay BS whenever that's going to come out to hear us talk about the convention. Yeah, I know, so let's let's just di- let's just dish dish it out right now. Yeah, so, uh, Anime Detour 2022 from the Hyatt Regency in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. Uh, taking place from uh, March 18th to the 20th, a.k.a. St. Paddy's Day weekend. And just from the onset, it just felt great being back. Like, just, I don't know, just kind of like a weight that just lifted off my shoulders. Like, I'm here right now. It's beautiful. In general, yeah, that was just a good feeling to feel right off the bat. Like, being back in that space and actually seeing people walk around in costume and be sociable and whatnot, that was that was already, like, a great feeling. Yeah, like, that first day, like, there was still a part of me that was thinking, like, Am I actually here right now? Is Detour actually happening? Like, am I not dreaming right now? <laughs> and then, like, I look out into, like, that uh, that balcony area, looking down to the lobby, seeing a bunch of nerds take it over. I'm just all like, oh, yeah, I'm back. We're here. Oh, we missed this. We missed this. And also, it felt great to cosplay again, because me personally, I haven't cosplayed since ASEN 2018. And you went hard with the cosplay oh, as well. I went super hard with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Where's, where's me? I just went with like the the single cosplay <laughs> that I that I was just hope that I was just banking on all my effort 
to just be like singularly good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say it's a success because you got stopped a lot of times for pictures. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I went as a, I went as Rat Rasputin Aquato from Psychonauts, specifically Psychonauts Two, and how he looked in that with his slick jacket and like his uh, his turquoise uh, turtleneck there. Like, man, I, uh, I, I, I was, I, I tried to put in a lot of good effort on that one, and uh, I was even kind of uh, a little worried about that one and like the the kind of reception it would receive because I was like okay well does this look exactly like the like uh, the model in game and I'm and I was and initially I was like well I don't know maybe the coat could be made of leather and like I guess the the, the gloves look good but like the shoes aren't exactly dead right and like you know I got the color right on the front of the turtleneck but like the back is just kind of terrible yeah. looking and I, and I don't have the goggles either like <laughs> Is anyone even gonna like this? Like, <laughs> but but then I actually debuted the costume on the con floor, and it was very well received. People recognize you, like, and even I heard people say like, "Oh, Raz Quato from Psychonauts 2. And, and like they even know which specific Psychonauts game. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm seen. <laughs> I'm actually seen. <laughs> you see me right now. <laughs> and you played Psychonauts too." <laughs> Like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm among my people again. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, for compared to any other previous cosplay I've ever attempted, which wasn't many to be honest. Yeah. But I actually got like stopped quite a few times and got to like pose for people and like it didn't even matter that I didn't have the goggles or anything. They were just happy to see the what what I found out was actually the only Psychonauts cosplayer at the convention. Yeah. <laughs> And that was another thing I kind of came to realize, like, wow, there is no one else around here who cosplayed Psychonauts, except for me. <laughs> wow, I'm special. <laughs> I kind of felt the same way, too, that Friday, because on Friday I was uh, Marion Kitagawa from My Dress of Darling, and I realized I was probably one of only maybe three Marion cosplayers that entire weekend. That was surprising to me, actually. That surprised me, too. Like, that was a, that was a, I know it was a, pre, I know it was pretty recent, but it was still a big hit it's recently. a popular show and it's an easy cosplay to do i'm just surprised there weren't more people doing that yeah that was kind of interesting yeah. like even even just like the, the just the school uniform alone like not even like any of the complex costumes they come up with in that series yeah no just like regular school uniform Mari, and i'm surprised like i saw two others and then then there was me and then that's it yeah so you were kind of quick to the take on that one as well yeah, but no, I enjoyed that, though. If I ever do Marine again, uh, I know what to, what I can learn from next time, because I did have a little trouble with the wig, making sure that was styled, but I managed to figure it out by the end of the day. And also, uh, get a bigger shirt, which, uh, funnily enough, I found a bigger shirt in my closet after we got home. <laughs> I'm just all like, ah, oh, this was perfect, I should have used this one. What do you mean by, like, a bigger shirt? Like... Just a bigger shirt, because the shirt, the, uh, the button-up shirt that I had was a little too tight. Mmm, okay. But I did find one that looked exactly like the one she wore on the show, you know, rolled up sleeves and everything, little pocket protector, and long enough where I can, like, tie it in the front, and I found it in my closet, and I'm just all like, oh, I forgot I had this. Ah! <laughs> like, just kind of be, yeah, don't beat yourself up too much yeah. after that. <laughs> but no, like, I'll probably, I'll probably bring her back again one of these days. Yeah, the the, the Raz cosplay also like surprisingly uh very I was I was surprised by I was thankful I was thankful that it was very easy to put take on to put on and off. <laughs> oh yeah, it looked really easy. Yeah, that the, the the ease of the ease of dressing up for that one I was very thankful for. Although the one thing that didn't work about it though that like was like the um 
I realized I overthought this one in the end, but it was like the hair that I grew out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I dyed burgundy. The color came in well, but I tried to style it like kind of wavy, like yeah, out from the, under the hat. The little quiff or whatever. Like in the game. But it just looked way too like spiky and straight and uh, like it didn't turn out well. But then on like the last day I just style I just didn't use any gel in my hair and I styled it normally, just like how I usually do outside the hat. And it looked fine. Yeah. It looked absolutely fine. And, and I, well, I kind of learned a lesson about that one. Maybe don't overthink everything about your costume. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially about the material or, like, the shoes. I was like, I should have just taken a step back and realized, you know what? For the effort I put in, this was fine. Mm-hmm. This was great. I did a good job. Like, I like everything came together well. Like, even the, the, uh, the helmet I commissioned was really well received. I even got to, like, pass out a card for the uh, guy hey, who made it as well. All right. Like, you know, everything about, like, like, who cares if you didn't get the goggles, you will get them next time. Like, you, you put together a good cosplay, Ryan. Yes. One that you could, one that you can definitely say to yourself and be honest about and saying that you will bring back in the future. Mm-hmm. And that you will improve upon because you love this character and you do love this costume. So be proud of that. Exactly. And I also did, of course, a couple other ones. Uh, my lazy Sunday cosplay, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Yeah, Orange Cassidy. Yep. I did also manage to buy some orange juice that morning, too, and just kind of drank it on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> just walk around, hands in my pockets. I see a cosplay I liked. I just gave him a half-hearted thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to that's the way to play with that character. Yeah. My only my only wish with that one is I wish I saw uh, Saitama One Punch Man cosplayer and got a picture with him. Because OC and Saitama have very much similar energies. <laughs> Both pretty chill, but they can kick your ass yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. But uh, my favorite cosplay I did the entire weekend, Kokone uh, Fua from Delicious Party Pretty Cure. I was super proud of that one. I love that so much. Yeah, it came together really well, and and it got a good reception. It did. Like, when I uh, went to a Pretty Cure panel, like, uh, afterwards, people looked at me, and, and like, one person was all like, you're a Kokone! And I'm just like, yes, I am! <laughs> He's like, you for noticing me. Because that's a very recent character, correct? Yeah, very recent. Uh, the season started back in February. So the, your, your timeliness on that one was spot on. Also, I'm pretty sure I was also one of only two Precure cosplayers that weekend, too. And I also got a picture with, like, that one, that person, too. Yes, yes, I do recall that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, making me feel special there. Yeah, it goes a long way. But uh, I, I really love... The coconut cosplay, and like if you followed me on Twitter recently, like you'll notice that I've been taking kind of any excuse I can to just repost that picture of me because I'm really proud of it. I mean, you should be proud of it. It came together extremely well. Yeah, and just all by just finding stuff, just random, just like different clothing online, just kind of like, okay, does this look like the jacket she wears? This is, does this look like the shirt she wears? Is the bow right? And I'm just like, no, it got right. <laughs> and also, like, uh, I got to spell, I got to shout out to my friend Rachel for helping me find the wig, like. That was the one thing that I was kind of, like, worried about going into, like, the idea of just, like, oh, can I find the right colored wig? Then I told her about it, and then she's all like, hey, send me a picture of, like, the character. Here it is. And then she's like, I think I found it. Showed me a swatch. Showed me, like, a color on uh, the website, uh, artofwigs.com. And I'm just like, that's it. You got it. That's the perfect wig. Mmm, nice. Yep. And an amazing wig, too. Like, uh, Art of Wigs, they, like, they do such great work. And good props to her for helping you on that. That was really cool. Yep, and she said she'd help me with more uh, more wig dilemmas in the future, so I will be definitely going back to her if I need any help with that. Oh, that how corner. nice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, outside of cosplaying, another thing that we did was uh, we finally ran panels again for the first time in three years. Hey, that felt good. That really felt good. And, and, uh, and, and, and um, 
Yeah, and we didn't have and we didn't have to like worry too much about like following up on previous panels too much either or anything. Nah. Like, like or like uh, coming up with like brand new ones to wow people. Like it was just like the regular ones that we have fun with that yep. we can deliver to people. Just, you know, the greatest hits for this one. Right, right. And you know, like I felt like even with the three year layoff, we did a good job. Like like uh listening back to us, I don't feel like we had any bit of uh ring rust there. Yeah. Also doing a podcast every month since then kinda helps a bit too. <laughs> with the uh, you know, talking for long periods of time about certain topics. It helps to keep uh, it helps to keep our um our skills from going rusty. My only wish is like uh I wish the two nine panel was like maybe an hour or two earlier because by the time we were done, it was midnight, and I'm just like, uh, maybe set us at, like, 9 or 10, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, by that time, people are tend to get, like, pretty fatigued. Yeah, pretty restless, and also they were waiting in line for, like, some other stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. And also, I wish that the uh, the Ladybug panel was uh, in a better location, because you have to go out of our way to get to that panel room. Uh, yeah. Because, like, uh, the last time we did that, uh, back in 2019, we had the prime, like, location on, like, the first floor, and it, it was a good location, like, we packed the room, but uh, we did pack the room for this one, but I was wish... I wish it was a better location because I feel like maybe people had trouble finding it. Yeah, but that's hard to, like, really have any control over. It did, yeah. Because, like, con staff, again, just has to, like, find, like, any place that, like, they can really put you. Yeah, but you just, you just gotta get lucky, but uh, thankfully both went really well, and uh, both, any of you at home, you can listen to both of them right now. Yeah, so you can hear us give all give out about, like, the recent Ladybug stuff and, like, the recent Toonami stuff. Yep. The, the usual fun stuff that we like to do at conventions. Mm-hmm. And, like, we had a lot of stuff to talk about Toonami, even more so than in previous years. Like, I mean, for both panels, we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, like, we were kind of rushing to the very end for both ones. Yeah, yeah that it did kind of make it difficult in some in some regards. Yeah, that, that was only probably the only rusty thing we have, because we're used to do, ever since the last D3 we went to, we're used to doing, like, two, three-hour podcasts, sometimes five hours, but... We need to get back to getting used to doing one-hour discussions. We did kind of feel that pressure a little bit to uh, deliver as much as we could in such a, in like a single hour yeah. <laughs> for each one. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that was difficult for us to pull off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some for next year. Yeah. And outside of our panels, we also attended uh, plenty of other people's panels. Uh, Any ones that stood out to you? I mean, the, the the one I had the most fun at was the Disco Elysium panel <laughs> with uh, with uh, Mark with uh, Madness Mark running that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend, you know, helped first helped me get into panels, and uh, I enjoy his panel. And he still panels a lot at uh, conventions in the Twin Cities. Uh, absolutely love him. And um, what what attracted me even more to this one was that it was about like one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out it was a big, it was a big it was a huge favorite of his as well, <laughs> and uh, yeah he drew over he drew a very good crowd for that one. He had some uh, great funny bits that he pulled off, like talking to his own thoughts during the panel, and just talking about all the favorite bits that he loved the loved about the game and what made Disco Elysium so great, and asking the crowd about uh, what they loved about it, and uh, and I I brought the energy to that one. <laughs> Uh, I hope not too much energy, because <laughs> I because I kind of went a little hard for that one. <laughs> but I, I I tried to get I tried to give space to other uh, attendees to like you know give out about what they loved about the game and yeah we just all just everyone had a really fun time uh, just to, talking about like all their favorite parts about that game just all the the funny moments and like the tiny moments like because man it's the tiny moments in that game that really uh. That can really win you over around there. Yeah, and I think I think it was a really good panel to really cut through to the heart of what, what makes that game so dang special. And uh, I really want to hit up Mark again in the future and uh, ask him if he maybe wants to um, do that panel with me as well again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, see if he'd be open to that because, man, I can, I can talk... <laughs> 
so long about Disco Elysium. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a lot of passion in regards to that. And remember, like, part of that, pa- some of that passion goes into cosplay as well, because there's a, co- there's, I have one cosplay in mind, remember, that I need, I would, I could use your help with. Ah. A, a duo cosplay. Duo cosplay, tag team. A, a tag team cosplay we could do, but I'm not going to say anything about that until you actually play the game. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel this summer will be the year I finally play it. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Because I am, I am eager to pitch it towards you. <laughs> Very eager. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that panel only reassured, only reassured uh, my love of that game and uh, the, the future cosplay I want to do. And it was just also great to see other uh, people that out there that loved the game as much as I did as well. And it just, it was just magical. Magical. And uh, yeah, you bring up Mark, like, uh, he has excellent panels as always. Like, we've been attending his panels ever since our very first convention back in 2012. Yes, as far back as that. And, like, he's continued to pull off just fantastic panels ever like, since. Does not miss a step every year. Like, holy shit, he, he is a workhorse. Yes, absolutely. He is incredible. Like, uh, he did a Toonami panel as well, which was more about, like, old-school classic Toonami, which then, uh, funnily enough, turned into a big discussion on Gundam and when, what uh, series to start off when getting into Gundam. And then also the topic of Toonheads came up out of nowhere, which is fun, because, like, <laughs> ah, Toonheads, that's a, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> and he also had a really good one, too, on, like, you know, uh, the subject of uh, gatekeeping in anime and, like, uh, dealing with gatekeepers and fandoms and stuff like that. It was, it's very, it was very informative and, like, led to a lot of good discussions amongst the, uh, the audience, too. And, of course, his uh, Horrors of Anime panel, which he does not miss with that one. Oh, yes. He always hits the mark with that one. And we got a good amount of our friends to go to that one yeah, as well. Yeah, first-timers, too. So we, we got, like, a good section right up front where yep. we were all just hooting and Run hollering. Two rows, ready to go. Just, like, just like having a riot watching <laughs> that one. And, yeah, like, if any of you out there go to Anime Detour, absolutely hit up Horrors of Anime. You know, be 18 or older, but, like, hit up Horrors of Anime. 10 billion percent, go out of your way to see it. It is a grody, gruesome, and righteous time every year. It's almost like a tradition at this point. And if you're old enough, you know, 21 or older, make sure to get rip-snorting drunk beforehand. Because it'll make it even funnier. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> just, just, not, just, just, keep, just keep, it, keep it easy, you know? <laughs> keep it easy, and, you know, but, you know, have a little substances in you. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's okay to have a little bit for that panel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also our friend uh, Tony, he did a few good panels, like uh, uh, Anime Unleashed was a good one, you know, talking about the old G4 Tech TV uh, anime block, which was, like, really cool and informative. Mm-hmm. And he also did, like, his uh, usual bento panels where he brought up a bunch of, like, uh, weird and obscure music and stuff. Man, I love that one. He, I love... He, he brought up some, like, really good bangers during that one. Yeah. A mix of a mix of like funny cringe and like just like absolute cringe was great. That that TLO roll call <laughs> video, that one legitimately. I have watched that one numerous times since then. It kills me every time. <laughs> just knowing that there were like there was this group of like obscure rappers who just found a picture of like uh, like an ant like some like college anime club online. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then wrapped in character as, like, each person in the photo. Yes, that was the best. Like, holy crap, that one killed me <laughs> so hard. <laughs> and, yeah, if any of you folks want to see these music videos, just uh, tweet at him, at Tone Dog. He'll give you the playlist for them. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, did did a few uh, guest panels, too. Not as much as I would have wanted to, you know, with 
conventions. You, there's only so much you can do, but uh, I did get to see uh, our boy Keith Silverstein. Talk yeah, about- Keith. I, I think Keith was maybe the uh, the the only guest panel I actually made it to this year. Ah. Because like as I because I didn't really go to many others, but like I did, I wanted to. I'd never been to a convention with Keith Silverstein before, so I really wanted to make it for that one. And of course, it was a panel about villains. Yeah, talking about how to be very nice, very evil. It's very reassuring that he knows how many villain roles that he's done because we've been banging on about it for years now. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. That, yeah, but it's cool to hear though that like he actually leans into that pretty pretty hard. Yeah, he actually loves that. And also like how he likes to get into like the head of each of these villains. You know, like what makes them a villain. You know. Are they just doing it because they're just psychotic and just don't care? Or are they doing that because, like, you know, the world pushed them to do that? Like, it's very, very, like, fascinating and interesting, you know, about, like, what makes a villain a villain. Yeah, it was very cool to see, like, how he, um, I mean, kind of processes that. Because, like, I, I know some other actors out there that would, that would maybe be a little, like, uh, frustrated with that kind of typecasting. But, like, no, he, he knows what makes his voice work. He knows, like, what it lends best to. And it's really cool to see that he... Uh, leans into that and respects that and like actually tries to uh, bring out the art in that and also just the fun personality too like he he was he was a blast to listen to oh yeah he came across as a very fun person and uh, while that was the only one you did I did manage to make it to another guest panel uh, one with uh, Lisa Ortiz and uh, Sarah Natachini hope I said that right but uh, yeah like uh, we did like a Pokemon panel because you know Sarah she's the current voice of Ash and uh Lisa, she's played, like, dozens of characters in Pokemon throughout the series and, like, is even the uh, the current voice director of the dub. Oh, wait, scratch that. I might have made it to that one as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just for a little bit. Okay, That's yeah. why I slipped my memory. Yeah, but I sat in on the full thing, too, and it's just, it's just fun. It was fun to see them, too. Yeah, they they, 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 they seem like very fun people. Also, like, fun to hear about uh, Lisa Ortiz talking about how, like, since she's the director of the dub, uh, she's been, like, uh, you know, granted this, like, uh, Pokedex with, like, basically all the information on, like, all the Pokemon and about the show and also, like, how to pronounce each of them, each one of them's names. Like, she even knows, like, the numbers and everything like that. I think that makes her an official Pokemon trainer. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did catch them all. <laughs> but no, that was fun. And uh, there was also uh, that Friday night, uh, a burlesque show after our Tsunami panel, which is a lot of fun. Hey, always cool. <laughs> yeah, we've been to a few of those at, like, previous cons, and, like, they're, they're always great. Yeah, they, yeah, the people during those, like, really know how to put on a good show. Yeah, like, it, yeah, credible work by everyone involved. Uh, special shout out to the uh, the uh, what was it the fire the fire costume Luigi yeah I believe it was that doing that, like a, that person was excellent doing a lap dance to like a Bowsette pillow <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one got a good laugh out of it and like the technical skill of the dancing was extremely good yep also I gotta say uh, Faye Valentine was probably one of my favorites and also a uh, Princess Bubblegum yeah everyone did such a great job during that show yeah as they always do they're always great special shout out to the uh, the inosuke there too like uh, they were a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course with uh con panels not all of them are going to be perfect uh did you manage to see any duds as far as panels go who any dud panels i am trying to think um i guess maybe like the improv show wasn't as good as i thought it was just because like it was on like the huge stage and the the crowd was kind of small and like Uh, i originally thought about participating in it because you know i've been doing improv classes recently but then i saw how small it was and how like big the space was they were using for improv which is a very like it's a very intimate thing it's a very it's a very intimate uh art and it requires and it's it actually it's actually more conducive to a smaller space yeah like where an audience can like you know uh, participate a little bit easier yeah like i've been to one to like one of your showcases and like 
it was in a very, very small room. Yeah, yeah, that, that space is very good for improv. Yeah, like, it works super well. Yeah, it works super well there, but uh, I thought the space was a bit too big, and it kind of made me realize, like, oh, this is, like, how all future improv shows are going to be like. Because, like, cause, like, it's, like, I had the image of, like, how it was done back in um, the old days of Detour. The, back uh, at the Doubletree era. Yes, back at the Doubletree, because that was actually held in a smaller room that was conducive to improv. <laughs> <laughs> So so yeah that that was I would say that one was a a bit of a dud for me. I mean I mean they, I mean everyone on the stage like put in like their put in like their best work, you know, and they they were clearly all having fun, but uh, it was it was not the kind of conducive environment for uh putting on uh, good improv for me personally. Uh I know uh, Tony told me about uh, a Resident Evil panel that was uh, going on during our Tsunami panel that he said wasn't very great either. Oh, and, and he's been going so hard on Resident Evil yeah, lately. Yeah, he's been marathoning all the games. I think he's up to, uh, at the time of this recording, up to six, like doing the Ada Wong story. Yeah, he's been falling in love with it. And yeah, to hear that he went to a dud of a Resident Evil panel. Like, uh... from what from what he told me, it's just like, it was basically like, you know, Wikipedia bullet points and just like, then just taking a lot of time just to... Play video clips of like the bad acting from the first game, you know, Jill Sandwich or like Master of Unlocking, all that crap. Mm, it, it's like, yeah, we all know that, but they're overplayed. It's bits. like ghost stories. It's like, yeah, we've seen it before. I don't want to see it again. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I certainly had a dud on my hand. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I brought it up in the preview uh, episode. Uh, the Pretty Cure panel I was looking forward to. Yep, go ahead. That was a <laughs> massive disappointment. Oh. So, uh, going into this convention uh, a few days beforehand, there was actually a pretty viral tweet uh, by at uh, Brainchild129 asking people about uh, bad panel experiences. And, you know, like, when that tweet was going around, we gave some, like, bad panel experiences for, like, panels we've seen, you know, like, BoJack Horseman panel where, like, no one showed up and stole <laughs> horse jokes. I love, I love that one. Because, <laughs> like, that, that, I love that one as, like, my bad panel story because it's actually just kind of funny. Yeah. Or, like... <laughs> Like uh, me, my my previous bad panel story was when uh, a voice actor did a panel where this twist was like it's a Q and A, but I ask you the audience questions, and we took like thirty to forty minutes to get to that point because fucking Hitalia Marks kept asking him questions about like his character and like spending a good ten minutes trying to call their friend in character. Like Jesus Christ, uh, yeah, that was a nightmare. The, the fans kind of took over that one. Yeah, but no, they, I I have a new contender for that. <laughs> Now, so, like, I had that uh, bad panel tweet in the back of my head, and, you know, I went through it because it's a trip looking at all those stories and seeing all the the trends and, you know, the common things that pop up with bad panels. Like, you notice a lot of those things. Yeah, there's some common threads among many of them. Yeah, definitely track down the tweet if you want to have a good laugh. But, uh, you know, all those uh, trends and uh, those common threads were in the back of my mind going into this convention. Like, I was a little wondering, like, ooh, am I going to see any of this here? The responses that you got from that tweet, a lot of those common threads, those same mistakes, the the person who ran this panel, they ended up making a lot of them in this singular <laughs> panel. Audio issues. Sound not coming from the uh, speakers, but coming from the projector, which is super quiet because it's not meant to produce sound for like a big like room full of people. Oh yeah, everyone just crowd around the projector. We'll have a good listen to this clip I've selected for us. And also like microphones not really working, uh, which is bad considering the presenter wasn't the most charismatic person, like very quiet and just kind of like, uh, yeah. Mm. Like very dry and also... That's kind of sad because you can't really do anything because that's something you can't really like You can't really control about. that. And I will say it's like, there's no denying they weren't a pretty cute fan. They were obviously a big fan. Yeah. But, like, I've had high school teachers that have given hour-long lectures more entertaining than this. Ooh. 
Also, another problem. Relying on hotel Wi-Fi for the entire panel. Oh, you never want to do that. No. Instead of saving... It's so unreliable. Instead of saving the presentation on their laptop, you know, like what we do for Toonami and Ladybug, I save the PowerPoint presentation and all the pictures and videos I need on my laptop so I... So, like, in case the internet goes down, I don't have to worry about anything. And even then, you would still want to maybe make some backups for that, too. Yeah, like, I even have, like, a external hard drive just in case something happens. But no, like, this person had it saved, had, like, their PowerPoint presentation saved on Google Docs for some reason. And the only way to access it is you have to go through Google Docs on the website to get to, like, their PowerPoint presentation. Did you get the impression that maybe this person was new to paneling? Yes. 100%. I feel like this was their first panel. Also, like, slideshows had videos, too, but not saved videos. They were links to YouTube videos. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, we all know how bad free hotel Wi-Fi is, and this person insisted on trying to play them and play them at, like, a higher quality, too. (sighs) Outside of those technical aspects, uh, the slideshow bullet points were just Wikipedia copy-paste. Like, also very unorganized, too. Like, at one point, they just waste time going through every single cure in the franchise and this is a franchise with like over 18 seasons at this point why would you do that and like (laughs) that's like going through all the all the pokemon yeah (laughs) like maybe if they wrapped them you know maybe it would have been better (laughs) but and they're all on different different slides so you like go forward a slide and say like okay this is cure scarlet this is uh cure flora and then you go back a few slides here's cure grace here's cure fontaine go three more slides here's cure earth here's is Kira Star. Like, Jesus, man. Every character they go past, the, the more you realize they didn't have a thesis for this. No. <laughs> it, like, it, and also the, just, uh, cosmetically, you know, just, like, it looked like high school level PowerPoint presentation. You Aww. know, just, like, slapping pictures and then just using, like, the standard bullet points there. Ooh. And standard, like, you know, Times New Roman font. Aw, that's rough. And, uh, oh, by the way, the entire, uh, slideshow portion only lasted 20 minutes. <laughs> So it's like, we're all, oh, well, uh, we're at the end of the presentation. Um, I looked at my phone uh, and it's like, it's 10.20. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it really hit you. Like, I was reminded of the uh, the Futurama joke, you know, Fry writing the script saying, all like, ah, it took an hour to write. I thought it would take an hour to read. <laughs> so what did we do for the last 40 minutes? We watched the first episode of Delicious Party Precure on Crunchyroll, of course, because he didn't save it. And... They were just fumbling with the Wi-Fi the entire time, wanting to play it at 1080p. Oh. And it just kept stuttering and buffering. And also another thing they did during that was, like, they stopped, like, every, like, maybe not even a few minutes, every few seconds to, like, pause and go, like, oh, what's this? Or, like, explain what's going on. Even though in the show, since it's the first episode, they explained it immediately after he says it. Uh, you know, like, say, oh. like, this says, like, okay, these are the energy fairies, uh, Pom Pom, Mem Mem, and uh, Kome Kome. And then in the show, once he played it, he's like, here are the, the energy fairies. It's like, the show tells you, man. That 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 sounds very, that sounded very unplanned, though. It also, and also keep in mind, Simon was still coming out of the projector, so very quiet. Don't show full episodes of anime at your panels. Like, that's what video rooms are for. We don't need to see that. We're not here for that. People can just go to their con rooms and do that themselves. You need to deliver an experience that they can't get through that. <laughs> and also me being a Precure fan, it's like watching this going on like, I've just seen this episode a, week, a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. You I have to be working to with again. that knowledge as well. You got to consider that. <laughs> and then like after the episode ended, like there's still some time left. So they just played like uh, Precure clips on YouTube until time was up. And just, like, yeah, just pretty much 
any any and every mistake you could make with this one this person made and with each mistake i was just going all like oh no oh oh no 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 you can't help but feel sympathy for that person yeah <laughs> but at the same time i was also trying not to laugh because i was thinking about the uh brainchild's tweet and thinking of all those common threads and i'm just all like oh you're making every mistake in the book here pal you see i was i was the opposite during my bojack horseman panel because the uh, the, the guys who took over that one were all were also clearly young little shits themselves too <laughs> so i i did not care about decorum whatsoever during that i was laughing my ass off the whole time (laughs) i didn't give a fuck you know and they didn't give a fuck you know like like for me i was glad we had to mask up because i could not hide my smirk oh my god (laughs) you'd have the hardest time keeping your face like i would like if we didn't have to wear masks i would be like doing the thing where i just cover my mouth or something like that or like pretend i'm coughing but no like full mask i can just sit there arms folded just going like oh no 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 And one of, one of the few advantages of masks these days. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, like you said, I felt bad for the panelists because they're clearly a fan, and I have no and like no doubt this was their first time. This is obviously all first time timer issues. And part of me wanted to go up afterwards and say, "Hey, you did your best. Better look next time." But then they were asked uh, least favorite and favorite cures, and they had the gall to say Cure Scarlet was from Go Princess was their least favorite cure, saying that they found her like boring and uninteresting and i'm just all like oh them's fighting words yeah them's fighting words it's <laughs> <laughs> like any sympathy was uh double g double o double n double e gone oh really I'm, oh because they didn't like you, a character you like i'm just all like no you're that petty i i am super petty i'm just all like you don't get it you don't get it <laughs> like her character is amazing like i finished go princess prior to the con Clearly proved they were a fan of Precure, but like they what? Wrong, but they were wrong on one character, so they're wrong about everything else now. You know, they're entitled. I thought you were better than that. <laughs> you know, they're entitled to their own wrong opinion, but still. <laughs> also, they said one of their favorite seasons was a Doki Doki Precure, which might not mean anything to you, but uh, and I haven't seen that season yet. But anytime I hear that season brought up, it's always in a negative light. Like people go, "Oh, Doki Doki, that season's fucking insane." <laughs> Like, from what I hear, the, the characterizations and everything was all cuckoo bananas, so I'm just all like, eh, really? Well, now, you know what you gotta do now, right? Yeah. You gotta put on your own pre-cure panel. With blackjack and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and really, and, re- and really unite everybody under one fan banner there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe someday, once I'm done with my big pre-cure marathon, and if uh, Ruby Chan wants to join me too. Yeah, but like, that's gonna take so long, though. How far do you want to go with that? All the way. <laughs> All the way before you do a panel? Like I, I gotta make sure that I do get everything right, that I don't leave any stone unturned. Aww. Oh, that's gonna take so long, though. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. At least you'll be able to talk to everyone equally there. Yeah, I don't want to be the person who says, like, oh, I haven't gone to the season. Yeah, you'll be you'll be the master among yes. them all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the whole panel was a massive disappointment. You know, I was really looking forward to that since Pre-Cure was, like, my big pandemic project since, like, 2020. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the plus side, uh, sitting next to me during the panel was a Kira Yum Yum cosplayer, Kira Yum Yum from uh, Delicious Party Pre-Cure. She was excellent. Like, holy shit, nailed this cosplay. I, I did see the costume. It looked actually very great. Like, as soon as the panel went over, I was going up to her to, like, ask for a picture. But then, like, before I could ask, she asked me for a picture of me because she knows my coconut cosplay. And, like, we were all, <laughs> like, cosplaying Pre-Cure characters from the same season. So it's, like, it's even better. Well, just on, like, the same wavelength. That was that was nice to see. Yep. And then other people saw us, too, took pictures. And it was, like, it was really great. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, she didn't have any social media, so, like, I can't really connect or anything like that. But, uh, you know, 
if you're out there, you know, if you're listening to this, hit me up. I want to be friends. <laughs> no, I want more Precure friends. But, uh, yeah, that, like, the whole thing was, like, the, that was, like, the highlight of that panel and also my Saturday, like, doing that cosplay and then, like, meeting that cosplayer, too. Yeah, which is not to say there weren't, like, more um, highlights for the, for the for the rest of the convention, because, it, because again, a lot of the fun was, like, in the small moments. But um, it will be here that I will say, though, that the um, the, the first day of the convention uh, didn't go over as well as I had expected. Right. Um, I guess the, ener- like, the energy was just kind of wrong, uh, like, that, that uh, first day of the convention on Friday. Also, we, we, we drank a bit, uh, a bit harder than I, we expected. Yeah, like, we did what we should have done on Saturday on Thursday. And that was a big mistake. Yeah, yeah, we maybe hit it a little too hard. We like, maybe we maybe should have known where to stop. Yeah, like on that Thursday night, we were too excited and we we didn't pace ourselves. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think we got a little carried away. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, starting out on Friday morning, it was a bit rough. I mean, we 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 went to a restaurant with some other friends and stuff, but even then, I could only like half eat my meal it's yeah. like i got to a certain point and was like oh i can't eat any more of this yeah <laughs> i'm just that's that's enough for me Oof. Mm-hmm. and and yeah even for the rest of that uh the rest of that first day i i didn't get to meet a whole lot of like uh people from previous times or anything you know uh, i was kind of mostly just like kind of wandering around and like it was fun seeing a lot of the new stuff but like i was missing those like interactions you know right right on that that, that you usually get at these kinds of conventions like meeting people you're familiar with and Nothing like that really happened for the first day, so I was kind of feeling. So yeah, the the, the whole first day was just felt very off to me, and um, and if the rest of the convention was like that, I would have said it was maybe a bad convention. But the second day, Saturday, more than made up for that. Massive three sixty, right there. Yes, <laughs> like night and day. Yeah. <laughs> the the second the second day of the convention was everything I wanted yeah, it like, to be. You know, I was kind of feeling the same way Friday, like. For me, at least with Friday, it was good, but it could have been better yeah. if we didn't go hard that Thursday. But, like, Saturday, Sunday, like, perfect. I also just, like, limited my drinking for Saturday, and I didn't drink at all on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was, I was, was a bit smarter going forward. But, uh, yeah, on Saturday, I met, like, old friends from college and got to talk a whole bunch with them and catch up. I was uh, I was buying merch, that like, some really good merch. I, I, fi- I finally have a good, proper Luffy figure <laughs> <laughs> in my house now. And it's and it's Luffy from the Wano arc uh, during its later parts, and it's the best Luffy has ever looked, and it looks great on my uh, looks great on my shelf. Yep, next to Hancock. Yes, and right next to Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I got to ha- I got to uh, see uh, another friend of mine who was uh, the, the friend who was running the um, the uh, Cafe LeBlanc party room. Mm-hmm. I got to like eat cur- eat curry and drink coffee in that, and Mark was also in there too. Like it's 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 a bit hard sometimes to you know pin down Mark and really. You know, have a casual conversation yeah, with he's him. always on the move. He's always working. Right, right. He really is. But, like, just lu- as luck would have it, we were both in this one spot, and I just got to chat with him and hang with him and socialize with the other people around there. I even, like, sat right next to the uh, the Precure cosplayer as well. Yeah, they make Kir Yum Yum. Yeah, yeah. Kir Yum Yum as well. <laughs> so we're all chatting and having fun as well, too. And, like, it, it, was, it was just an absolute blast. Like, one of the best... Uh, like, that exact kind of experience... That I was waiting to come back to this convention for. It was like sitting in a nice, closed spaced, like social situation, you know, with everyone having masks and stuff and just having a fun time and enjoying good food and being in good spirits as well. 
Even one of my even one of my friends that uh, originally wasn't going to go to the convention, he nabbed a an extra badge from one of his other friends, yes. and he made it out there. Yes, that was great to see him. <laughs> <laughs> so I met up with him and his other and his two other friends at Hell's Kitchen, which I I also never had never been to before in Minneapolis, and we were just like chatting it up inside there and like refre- and like reflecting on how it's been so far and. Even got to return to the convention for a bit and stuff, and like that was just incredible. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like that Saturday really turned things around because also like that time you're also like send, texting and sending pictures to, like a friend of ours who couldn't make it there, and like even they were kind of like living vicariously through us, like you know having a good time because we're having a good time. Yeah, it was incredible. Like even she was having a great time during that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish they did room pe- room parties. I did. I missed the, out on those this year, but uh, you know, like I said, can't do everything. But you know, glad to hear that. Yeah, you know, there good. there weren't many room parties this year, but like they actually really made up for that. Actually, like That's they really they good. were there weren't many, but like they made up for that by making them just as hopping as they would have been would have been before, just as. Just as with like as many people in there, you know. Nice. And still, everyone just keeping it safe too during all that. Even me and Tony got to socialize with. Um, uh, I didn't even know this person. I didn't even know um, this person was there, but um, the uh, patient zero from Anime yeah, NYC. Yeah, Omicron patient zero. Like holy shit! I didn't. I didn't expect to meet them there. Yep, uh, Peter from What Do You Say Anime? Yes, yes, exactly. Like, he, he was a really cool guy to talk with there. Yeah, I wish I met him, but, you know, he follows us both of us on Twitter now, so, like, I would love to meet him in the future someday. You can thank that for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But, yeah, me, me Tony, and, a, and another friend got to, like, chat with him there. Seems like a really cool guy. Like, man, it was it was great talking with him, you know, and just, like, chatting up with, like, how things have been going and whatnot. Uh, it, was, it was great meeting you, Peter. Like, you're a great guy. I really hope to um, see more of you in the future. Yeah, Absolutely. shout out to you, Pete. It was it was it was just a really fun time, man. Like Saturday was just it was, in one single day. It was everything I absolutely wanted from a convention, and it more than made up for the lackluster first day. Mm. And that's saying a lot. That like one day can turn over an entire convention. Yeah, that that day was fantastic. <laughs> truly, 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 maybe. Maybe perhaps one of the best singular days I've ever had in a con- in a mm, convention history. Okay, like some other conventions, like they're fun all the way throughout, but that one was like just so one... fun it made up for like a bad day. Yeah, like the one twenty four hours of that weekend. Like that. That was I was I was almost impressed by the end of that. <laughs> like wow, everything worked out perfectly this day. Everything fell into place. Like holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Also got to get got to give out a shout to uh, Sam on Twitter. Yep, another one we uh, follow as well yep. from uh, the uh, Digital Dream Club. Only only got to only um, got to meet them in passing, but like because they were also busy with their friends. But uh, now gave a little shout out. Uh, recognized my Psychonauts cosplay. Realized I actually met them earlier in the convention <laughs> in the artist room, and we did not recognize each other at all. <laughs> which I which. Was just kind of funny, <laughs> but like, but I couldn't help but laugh about that, and it was just great seeing Sam. Yeah, I'm sad I didn't get to meet them at the convention in person, but I was like chatting with with her on like a Discord the entire weekend, so that was fine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah fantastic. Well, yep. And uh, you brought up merch earlier. I, I did hit the merch room pretty hard with this one too. Uh, I did find one booth that was selling like tons of Precure merch. I was able to get the uh, Star Color pendant from uh, Star Twinkle. I got the uh, the chalice from Delicious Party, and I also got a uh, Kira Grace doll to, there too. I made a goal to get this at the convention, and I did that, and I finally did it. 
I got Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog on Blu-ray. Yes, that was awesome to see. Yep, and Sonic X on Blu-ray, too. Ooh, Which nice. I did get signed by Lisa Ortiz, who played Amy. That man, that was lucky. That was great. That like, was very lucky. I, I was so happy to meet her and just, like, mark out about how great Amy is, and she even thanked me in Amy's voice. I was just like, ah, you did the thing. <laughs> And I also uh, got to meet Bryce Pappenbrook. Got an autograph from him. Bought a, oh, very cool. Yep, bought a Cat Noir print, had him sign it, got a selfie with him, and uh, he even did the uh, found it with me. Aww. Like, really made my Sunday. I'm just all like, oh, I got to found it with Bryce. It's lucky that he plays a character that it has, like, a, such a simple but iconic uh, gesture that he can do with fans. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was thinking about bringing it up, but, like, he brought it up for me. And he's like, hey, before you go, found it. <laughs> like, ah! did the thing that's very sweet <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i i also aside from the luffy figure i did also um manage to grab some other things i, I grabbed like a, a pin and some artwork for a friend of mine i got a very nice uh guts pit guts print all the berserk because like again during the pandemic like that was during the time when i really seriously got into berserk that was your pandemic project yeah i mean yeah in a way it kind of was <laughs> <laughs> And it uh, it still is for me to this mm-hmm. day because I'm 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 reading it only through the uh, deluxe volumes. Yeah, the big like leather bound uh, volumes. The big ones that really give a lot of credit to the late Kentaro Miura's uh, incredible artwork. Mm-hmm. It really the, the deluxe volumes really in particular sell his artwork and just the grandiosity and the supreme nature to it. Absolutely. So uh, I gra- I did I was I was very happy to have grabbed the most recent volume as well. So that and that print, like, oh, that was just fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. And I got a nice print and a pin for a friend of mine as well. Actually, I also got her a uh, figure that I originally bought online <laughs> from another store, but it was stuck in, like, a port somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it was taking forever to get over. So I just bought, so for only, like, $4 more than what I got for <laughs> online, I got the figure at the convention, and I canceled my order online. Ah, now it's just stuck in that port forever. So an absolute win for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get any DVDs in the end, because, like, nothing in particular really caught my mind or mm-hmm. anything. Although, honestly, if it was available there, I would I could have maybe seen myself buying Slayers. Because lately, I've lately been in the mood to rewatch Slayers. I think I may have seen some out in the wild there. Yeah, it it is about out, there is a lot out there, but like some of it, the only stuff they had there was like later seasons, yeah. I believe. And I and I'm still very much in like the early part of it. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been checking a lot. I've, I have been checking a little bit of Slayers lately. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've actually been curious about that series for a while now too, and like even at Detroit, I was kind of thinking about it because you know. Lisa Ortiz, she plays, like, Lena Inverse, so, you know. Oh, she's great as Lena Inverse. <laughs> part, of the appeal, part of the appeal of that series was just seeing um, all these old, like, four kids actors, like, playing a slightly more adult seri- fantasy series. It's like the same with Berserk, original Berserk. Right, right, a little bit. Although, although tone-wise, they couldn't be any more different. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I guess it maybe also plays into my, in, in general, uh, disillusionment with modern fantasy anime that I was like, man, I want to go back and experience some of the old stuff, see what that was like. They don't make them like they used to. I mean, I, won't get, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I don't want to be one of those people, but I have been getting some enjoyment out of the uh, the older stuff from, from a bygone time when not all of this, not all of these tropes were uh, uh, played to hell and back. Even though I didn't get a DVD or anything, like I still had, a, I still um, came away with a proper amount of work merch that I wanted to walk away with because I did want to put some money in for this one because during past conventions I have been kind of stingy. Even mm-hmm. though I have, 
I've had no right to be. <laughs> no right to be stingy at a convention. Like, you had to get pressured into buying, like, that uh, Barnaby figure, like, years ago. <laughs> now, now, to be fair, that one was overpriced. It was overpriced. Yeah, I, I maybe should have seen that. I maybe should have done some research on that one. But, hey, I got, I got the Tiger figure for, like, cheaper, for, like, an actual proper price down the line. So, it evened out in the end. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was very, I, I was pretty happy with the merch room this year and what I walked away with. And uh, also, like, since uh, first come back, uh, we're still in the pandemic. Uh, how'd you feel the uh, vaccine mask mandate worked out? I think it worked out pretty well overall. I agree, yeah. Like, I thought Constaff actually did a really good job. I mean, it helps that most, I would say, okay, maybe I didn't see anything like this, but I felt for the most part the attendees there were very nice about the whole mask mandate. And, like, keeping it on during the whole time, you know? I felt they got a little loosey-goosey Saturday night, because, you know, late-night partying, raving, why not? Mmm, that could be expected. A little bit, but uh, for the most part, other than, like, Saturday night, everyone was, like, pretty, like, you know, masked up and everything. Yeah, because near the end of the con, I, I was able to chat with, like, a friend of mine. I was finally able to chat with one friend of mine who's on the con staff, and, um... Yeah, he said things were going pretty well, like, during the whole time. Yeah, but... I mean, some gripes here and there, but, like, overall, yeah. it was, you know, coming across well. Yeah, like, a friend I mentioned before, like, uh, she's also on Constaff, too, and, like, I did get to hear a bit, bit of some troubles that Constaff did have over the weekend, particularly the line for registration, because there were, like, a lot of uh, day of registrations, like, that weekend. Oh, yeah, when... when uh, yeah, when, uh, when, uh... Yeah, she came by and stuff like that was surprising to me. Like, yeah. just I, I did not know registration was was a uh, was that troublesome this year. And it's like it made me even more thankful that we got lucky being there a day earlier because they opened up registration earlier just to like just in case something like that happened. Yeah, we weren't aware of it because we we wanted to get in nice and early, like right around the time when it was opening up to get our badges. But I guess and but yeah, as as time went on though, throughout the days. We we did begin to notice a little bit that the line was that the lines for badges were particularly long, even like even well into the con. It didn't look like they moved; like they were just insane. Well, they probably were moving, but like it was just that congested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the line was going as far back as uh, as far back as where again? It was really far back in the like, hotel. I think uh, I think it it's on the second floor was where you get uh, badges. So I think it like went around like the escalator and kind of snaked around towards con ops but i think it went it went back further than that too i believe it did actually like maybe even down to the first floor something like that something like that like or even into that i could have maybe even believed it being even wrapped around further on the uh the, the second floor second floor well. probably like that uh that kind of promenade area where they usually have like lines for autographs right because because it was always very congested and busy around that area yeah it, it was nuts absolutely ridiculous like mad respect to the folks at detour for putting up with that but just like yeah, I couldn't have predicted that, really. Oof, man. Like, so many people, like, probably, like, waiting until, like, the 11th hour to, like, register for Detour. I mean, in one way, it was, I guess it was kind of cool to see, because it meant, meant people actually wanted to come there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were just making absolutely sure that this wasn't going to get canceled. Yes. <laughs> and also just people showing their love, in general. Like, yeah, maybe exactly. they haven't been to a con in so long, so they actually want to attend. Yeah, maybe came here on a whim. And, and Anime Detour has a very good rep reputation. So. Yeah, like, one of the best cons I've ever been to. Like, greatest con staff in the world. Absolutely. But, yeah, I, but yeah, it sounds like they did not expect it to be that congested. Yeah. And also, like, back on, like, masks and a vaccine mandate. Like, holy shit, probably the first con ever where afterwards I did not feel sick at all. Because, like, with previous cons, like, I always get con crud afterwards. And just, like, 
you know, I'm sitting at work, you know, cough dropping my mouth, just going like, Ugh. but no, after this, totally fine. Hey, holy shit, masks work. <laughs> it's like there's a science to them. <laughs> Incredible. Who would have known? Who would have known? Why are we getting rid of this, CDC? <laughs> maybe maybe we should have these on, uh, oh, I don't know, public transportation or something. Maybe we should uh, keep these around forever on uh, flights in particular. You know, maybe just in case we have more waves, maybe that BA2 variant might uh, creep up on us. Yeah, I might want to consider that a little bit. You know, don't put put this decision into the hands of a shitty judge. Put that in your docket. Yeah, in your smoke it. Overall, really good good comeback for Anime Detour here. Yeah, this, this comeback... Was pulled was was pulled off extremely well. Yeah, three years in the making here. <laughs> oh boy, major props to all of the convention staff. You all did a fantastic job bringing Detour. You back. are the real MVP. You know, give yourselves a round of applause. Pat yourselves on the back if you're listening to this right now. Just yeah, great stuff. Yeah, take a yeah, take a victory lap because you all did it. Yeah, you earned it. <laughs> and I'm looking forward even more to next year where. Uh, for sure, hopefully, this time, I will get a friend, I will get my friend <laughs> to come out to the convention. And I will help you. <laughs> <laughs> Where everything will be right, because it should be fine, because she'll be getting into a hotel room with two of her, like, uh, friends that, like, live close to her and stuff, and, and also want to go to convention as well. Yes. And return to conventions. And it should all be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll still and we'll have another good fun time. Yep. And maybe next year we'll finally get get to like those uh, new panel ideas we've been trying to get to <laughs> for a while now. Yeah. Just maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> maybe some new ideas too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, conventions are back. It feels if it, it feels good and they're safe. That's they're a, safe. that's what's important. One hundred percent safe. You know, masks and vaccines work, people. And hey, next coming up soon in July, we'll be going to Otakon. Hey. And that also has a mask and vaccine mandate. Hey. Woo! First time first time Otakon for us. First time in our nation's capital. We are looking forward to that. Hell yeah. Oof, lot, lot of new people we're going to have to meet people, during that one. A lot of people from the Twitter inner circle right here. A lot of friends of friends that we now need to be, that we should now try to be friends yes, with. People who I want to see their faces in person for the first time. Oh yes, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very important convention yes. for us. Going to be a rip snorting good time. So uh, with all the con talk out of the way, uh, let's get to the real brief of this podcast. As it'll be a little different than uh, what we usually do, as we won't be talking about a specific show... Instead, we're going to be running through the complete 25-year history of the greatest action cartoon block on television, that being Toonami. Oh, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you thought you got done with Toonami talk from our panel, but oh no, we got more for you. And we're also not limited by an hour, so uh, we're unhinged right here. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of it, you'll know exactly why we're doing this in the first place. This, this all is a point, people, so bear with us. Yes. Hang on to your hats there. <laughs> so, space is the place to be. And without further ado, let's start the show. It slices, it dices, it stirs and fries. It's the world's first and only cartoon network. And it will do almost everything. But that's not all. You'll get a 24-hour supply of scrolls, bones, bags, and splats. Yes, you'll be talking tune in no time flat. But wait, there's more. You'll get tons of top tune stars. Plus the mark of quality at me products. How do we do it? Volume, volume, volume. Every time you turn around, another tune. It's all the viewing excitement your family deserves and more. Yes, you can begin enjoying delicious cartoons from your new cartoon network. So, kickoff. Way, way back in the 1980s, uh, Ted Turner built up an extensive library of classic cartoons uh, with likes of uh, MGM, Looney Tunes, Mary Melodies, Fletcher Studios, Hanna-Barbera, 
And with all these cartoons, uh, they need an outlet, you know, a place where they can broadcast this library 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So uh, Billionaire Ted, along with the senior VP of TNT, Betty Cohen, got the idea to create a network. Uh, not just any network, but a certain cartoon network, shall we say. So thus, on October 1st, 1992, THE Cartoon Network was born. Gotta add the THE because that's how they promoted it back in the early days. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like when uh, Bret Hart says, uh, the WWF or the WCW, you know, you gotta add the THE. And on that first day, THE Cartoon Network had its first block dedicated to action-oriented cartoons called Super Adventures. And that block aired every day in the afternoons, airing shows like Johnny Quest, Dino Mutt, Godzilla, The Herculoids, Thundar, Birdman, not Harvey Birdman, and Space Coast, not Coast to Coast. They even aired uh, Shazam, which is like, uh, you might remember this character, this genie character from uh, Jellystone. Hey, I remember that character from like the actual cartoon. Give it some credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Shazam. I never watched any Shazam. Hey, I did. Come <laughs> on, okay? It wasn't too bad. I mean, it was maybe ethnically insensitive. But... Most likely. racist. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, give proper respects to the original Shazam. Yeah. Like, you may remember him, but all I know him is uh, the genie from Jellystone because they couldn't get Babu from the genie cartoon. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, two years later, Super Adventures would be replaced by Afternoon Adventures, which was basically the same thing, but added new shows like uh, SWAT Cats and Captain Planet. He's a hero. Uh, the one situation where I wish I was more so I, I wish I was more familiar with SWAT cats than Captain Planet. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm right I didn't watch you. any of SWAT cats, but I watched so much Captain Planet. Yeah, you know you gotta get you gotta get you gotta learn how to not uh, loot and pollute, man. <laughs> <laughs> Save the planet, or I'll fucking kill you. And leave and leave Turner out of it too. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing we're doing only good in this world. It's it's all of them that are making the world worse. Yeah. <laughs> just these just these singular people. <laughs> Not like billion dollar companies. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Afternoon Adventures only lasted two years as well, and was replaced by Power Zone. Uh, shame they didn't call it Danger Zone because uh, they had Macho Man Randy Savage under contract with WCW, so they could have cross promoted them there. Mm. Not not able to. Now just go like, oh yeah, welcome to the danger zone. I don't know. I, I still think Randy would be kind of out of place there. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> Though he was on Dexter. Oh uh, yeah, he was. And uh, Power Zone added new shows like uh, Super Friends and Speed Racer, baby. Woo! The first anime I ever watched. <laughs> Loved watching the adventures of Speed just killing people on the track every single episode. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> you know, Racer X tells him to use the brake, but nah, just ram right into him, use the little buzzsaw to, like, send him flying off cliffs and stuff. I love that show about the racer psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, by 1997, Power Zone was no more, and from the ashes rose a brand new action cartoon block. One that would become an institution to this very day. March 17th, 1997. A day that would live in... What's an antonym for infamy? Fame. They that would live in fame. <laughs> uh, Toonami was born, a portmanteau of uh, Toon and Tsunami, created by Jason DeMarco and Sean Akins. Uh, Jason DeMarco, prior to Toonami, he uh, worked his way up as a production assistant to associate producer over at TNT, and he even wrote, uh, wrote and produced on-air uh, packages and promos for a bunch of their shows and movies. Like, if you look at a bunch of old uh, TNT promos for their shows... They have a very, like, Toonami feel to them with, like, the lo-fi uh, hip-hop in the background and, like, the big, you know, coming up next kind of a announcer there. Yeah, you have, you have the makings of the Toonami aesthetic back there. And uh, Sean Akins, he, uh, he started uh, with uh, Turner by working in their mailroom and then worked his way up through the company through internships with uh, TBS, TNT, and Headline News, and then became a production assistant for uh, TNT. 
1997, then Vice President of Programming, founder of Ghost Planet Industries, later renamed William Street, and frequent robot chicken guest star Mike Lazo approached the two to create this brand new action cartoon block, and the rest is history. I mean, you say guest star, but he I don't think he's ever voiced himself on Robot Chicken. He did early on, and then he uh, left. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not very he was he's never been prone to public experience uh, public appearances. No, not really. Even even in even in the Venture Bros where he did like one line in that entire series. <laughs> he told McCulloch and uh Hammer that like <laughs> he would only do it if he was portrayed as uh, golfing in his cameo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cuz he just fucking loves golfing. He loves his golfing. And th- and then he remained at the company for just years on. Yep, years and years, and bit of a bit of a recluse. But like, thanks to him, we got a lot of the stuff, like a lot of good things with Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. This broadcast is intended solely for the enjoyment of our audiences. Any rebroadcast, broadcast, or retransmission without expressed written consent and the consent of Tsunami and Cartoon Network is strictly prohibited. <laughs> So yeah, we are welcome to this new era of Toonami by the host, Moltar! Specifically a CGI version of the Space Ghost Coast to Coast version of Moltar here. You know, him sitting at his like a control panel and everything, controlling the shows. And uh, played by the late great C. Martin Croker. And like, all of this was like awesome stuff. And like, I love the fact that in the early days of like Cartoon Network, the Space Ghost Coast to Coast gang pretty much were the unofficial mascot and faces of Cartoon Network because <laughs> he had Coast to Coast at night. He also had uh, Cartoon Planet, which was hosted by Space Ghost, Brack, and Zorag. And he had Moltar hosting Toonami. I mean, all, all, all of those characters kind of just transgressing their original context to just become these, like, we, these, uh, these weird countercultural, uh, just uh, kind of absurdist characters in the, in the brand new context that was this uh, uh, shared, like, early Adult Swim universe. Like, you can imagine space ghost right now without the voice of george lowe no not really you can you can barely even you can barely even imagine him as an actual superhero yeah or like a andy merrill as brack like that is brack being like the dumb idiot yeah exactly <laughs> when in like the original cartoon he was like an evil supervillain. they just completely superseded their original their original characters yeah. <laughs> and intentions <laughs> and like i also love that in kayfabe you know since toonami aired in the afternoons like this would technically be moltar's day job so he would show us action cartoons and then at night, he'd go work on Coast to Coast, you know, helping Space Ghost interview Conan O'Brien or, like, Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what new shows were there to christen this new age of Toonami? Well, first there was Thunder, 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 Thundercats, ho! Ah, uh, of course, Thundercats. By the way, outside of the the uh, intro, what was the best thing about original Thundercats? The bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> 
I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? And keep your foot off that blasted Samo flange. What the fuck is a Samo flange? I have to do that again. It's when Wiley Cat and Kid are pretending to be the most helpful that they're dropping their pens on the thing. While I'm talking, let's find the mega condenser. I'm saying that too fast. Let's find the mega condenser. Still going too fast. What's wrong, Lion O? Oh, fuck, here it is again. What? What's here again? That thing, that, that mega thing. Want me to say it? Yes. I'm going to put this one right between her pretty. <laughs> That's the line of the show right here. Other than that, the original show wasn't great at all. Yeah, I, like you won't you you won't find too many people out there that like uh, can offer a very good defense of the main show itself. Yeah, because it's because it, it was just uh, it was not as cool as the opening would imply. Yeah, just like for original Thundercats, just watch the opening and then just hear the voice actors give out about the script, going all like, "What the hell is a Samo flange?" <laughs> or like, "What the hell am I saying? What is this?" Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where the the the, the reboot years later was legitimately better than the original. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there was also Cartoon Roulette, which uh, randomly aired uh, shows from the uh, Super Adventure days. You know, Billionaire Teddy's all like, "Hey, I got these cartoons, so you're gonna air them." And then there was the real adventures of Johnny Quest, the uh, reboot of the original series where Johnny and Haji were teenagers and they were joined by Race Band's daughter Jessie. Yeah, all those previous adventures, those were fake. These are this is the these are the real chronicles. You know, like how we have the real Ghostbusters. Well, these are the real adventures. And yet, I don't I don't think they even really adapted any of the old adventures, though. It was more just like where we're putting these characters in uh, more realistic quotation marks uh, situations. Yeah, instead of fighting like ghoulies and mummies, they were like fighting terrorists or whatever and like, and like having to like awkwardly justify haji's like magic powers from before yeah. and like making and trying to like push forward that he does like uh like eastern like more like eastern martial arts techniques or something it was yeah it was it was kind of weird i don't yeah. i can't i can't vouch for how successful they were in that regard and nah. rehabilitating haji's image <laughs> also they had like these weird cgi bits called quest world which look like shit <laughs> Yeah, Quest World, Quest World is uh, not aged very well. <laughs> like sub reboot CGI. I mean, I would I would still watch watch reboot over those segments yeah. though from Johnny <laughs> Quest. With reboot, it was the entire style of the show. You can blame yeah, it for that. Yeah, I can't blame. Though I bet uh, if uh, Real Adventures of Johnny Quest was made today, they tried to tie it into Jellystone. You know, show us the moment that Johnny and Haji fell in love, and then one day hope to become married in the future and own a bowling alley. You you, you do realize they were still brothers in the Real Adventures, right? I didn't see no paperwork. <laughs> you know, that is the one thing did, that like did puts Dr. me off about the Jellystone cartoon. Did Doctor Quest sign any adoption papers for Haji? I don't think so. <laughs> the, the implication, <laughs> like, I, they're still brothers to me <laughs> from all the previous works. And then Jellystone comes along, and it's like, and I'm fine with like most of the changes in the show, but Johnny and Haji now being like a married couple, I'm like. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, but like, you can't rehabilitate that to me. <laughs> you you just married two like adoptive brothers to each other. <laughs> Please, you you didn't need to. You could have married off any other characters in the show. Made any other characters in the show. You even implied that Shazan was gay. Yeah, <laughs> it's like fine. You could have worked with that, but why? Why Johnny and Haji? <laughs> You could have just made them brothers who ran the bowling alley. 
Like, any other characters, all of all the characters you had to marry off in that series, and you picked the brothers. <laughs> uh, you would have preferred uh, Race Bannon and Dr. Quest. I, I would have preferred them. <laughs> I would have preferred them. You know, maybe Dr. Quest would have made uh, Race not be so racist. <laughs> <laughs> but it also would have been like a like a, like a a nice uh, like a joke from Harvey Birdman that would have actually come into like a nice full circle. Yeah, like who owns custody? They both do because they're married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's one of my only gripes with Jellystone is yeah. that like I can't get over that. Yeah, otherwise, it's a fantastic show. Whatever. That's my Johnny. Tw- that's my Johnny Quest tangent. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, out to round out the first new uh, Toonami shows was Voltron. Technically the first anime to air on the block since it was adapted from uh, Beast King Go Lion and uh, Armored Fleet Diruger 15. Uh, but it wasn't a straight adaptation. They just combined and edited uh, both of these shows and kind of Frankenstein them together to make Voltron. And uh, the less said about modern Voltron, the better. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and this would be the block for the entirety of uh, 1997 going into uh, 1998. And at the start of the new year, Toonami would add another Frankenstein together anime, that being Robotech. A series you hear a lot about from uh, veteran anime fans, and when you also hear them talk about it, it's also included with them giving out to Harmony Gold USA about their stranglehold on the rights to, like, Robotech and Macross. Got all these years, and, like, that vice grip is still strong. Like, whatever deal they sign, it's, like, in perpetuity. Like, they will never let it go. God, you're just forcing people to pirate it online. Ugh, just please release it. And yeah, this was this show was comprised of, like, three different anime that were all original stories, but they look similar enough that they could get away with them being the, the entirely same show. Uh, these shows were, like, uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, Super Dimension Cavalry Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber Mospedia. And uh, the reason they did this is because, you know, if you want to get a show into syndication, you need at least 65 episodes. So let's combine all these shows together, get more than 65, and then sell them in syndication packages. You can't even pull this shit off anymore these days. No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the Wild West like that back in the day. (laughs) Though I guess, like, if someone is feeling jaunty enough, I feel you can get away with it by just, like, taking, I don't know, five different isekai and just saying they're all the same show because they all look the same, really. (laughs) I mean, okay, as much as I don't like Isekai, I would, I would contest that claim that they all look the same. I mean, may, may, maybe some, you know, but like... The more generic ones. Right, the, the more generic Not ones. Not your ReZeros or Konosubas. Yeah, yeah, the, the more generic ones kind of blend together, but... <laughs> maybe you... Maybe... Because that's a good thought, like, how could you even pull that off today? Just, like, Frankensteining together uh, different series into, like, one show... You wouldn't be able to these days. It's just, it's just not. It's 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 nearly impossible. It looked like the uh, the Radioactive Man movie joke from The Simpsons. You know, like, you know, Jimmy Jilliger's Radioactive Man. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> but later in the summer of 1998, Tsunami would get some real anime, as in anime that that wasn't comprised of multiple shows presented as an entirely different show. These would be two of the big dogs of the anime world. Two shows that everyone associates with Toonami to this very day. I'm um, of course we're talking about Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. Today at four, Toonami's got a brand new superstar. I think I have a crush on her. Sailor Moon, today at 4, only on Toonami. Phase 1 complete. Planet 
day has finally arrived. Today at five. They're here. Initiating phase two. So we meet at last. Tsunami gives you more heroes. The future of the planet is in your hands. May you fight with honor. Let me show you how it's done. Bring it on. More villains. You singe my fingernails. And more power. Full on, today at 5, only tomorrow. Holy shit, these shows were huge back in the day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like, Still remain huge to this day. Yeah, like, uh, what do you think of them? What do you think of them? I mean, it's, it's almost a superfluous question. Yeah. They're both great. Yeah. They're both great. <laughs> I, I, was more, I was more of a Sailor Moon watcher as a kid. Oh, same right here. I, than I, Dragon Ball. Like, I, for some reason, I never got into Dragon Ball. And even to this day, I've, <laughs> I've absorbed so much, so many facts about Dragon Ball through osmosis of other works that are not tra- <laughs> that are not the main that are not actually Dragon Ball the main series that I've never felt inclined to watch act like Dragon Ball from beginning to end. Yeah, like like you watch some of that stuff and it's like, "Ah, close enough, you get the idea of the story." Cuz everyone has already talked to hell about like the like every plot point in Dragon Ball. You know, they're on Namek forever. Goku's a terrible father, Vegeta's a badass, him and Bulma fuck all the time. It's great. I know, throw a rock and you will find, like, like an explanation of that, or, an, or a video recapping that on YouTube or something. Or, like, over 9,000, or let that child alone. Like, uh, you know everything about that. Like, f- Team Four Star was the, the main means through which I consumed all of uh, the, the, the main bullet points of Dragon Ball. And uh, some scant watchings on a modern tsunami of uh, the uh, later series. But, like, it, but yeah, like, Dragon Ball, it's good, I like it, but, like, I've, I've never, I've never considered myself that big a fan of Dragon Ball, but I was a fan of Sailor Moon back in its early days. Yeah, same here, like, uh, I watched more Dragon Ball Z than you, but, like, uh, between the two of those, I really love Sailor Moon more, because, like, at the time, there was nothing else like it, like, that's what made it so unique, like, these five girls as magical girls fighting the forces of evil, you know, fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight. And it was great. It was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. And I love the characters too. Just like they're all just so fun to be around. I mean, I will confess, as a young pre- prepubescent boy, there was something I found attractive about oh, all those oh, girls. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I will say, little little Mike Junior. Like whenever he looked at Sailor Mars, he was all he was all like, "Ooh." Rrr. Like that. That like I'm just saying. Like as a kid, like that's when I like I was watching Sailor Moon, and that was when I realized, oh, I like girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch more of this. I like I like what's going on right here. <laughs> I mean, th- these days I have a lot of respect for uh, Sailor Moon, of course. Oh yeah, like in uh, more recent times, I've grown to like love it even more and like respect it for like you know Naoko Takeuchi's work for like the original manga and like how well the anime adapted like her works and like even became its own thing in some places. An absolute classic shoujo work, like one of the one of the trendsetters. Yeah, and like I practically own all of it on like DVD and Blu-ray, so like you know how much I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, even then, uh, DBZ is, like, one of the biggest anime of all time. Like, it really helped that big anime boom of, like, the late 90s. Like, it's it was, like, the talk of the playground back in those days. It, it was a perfect match for Toonami. You know, just a, bun- a show about these, like, beefcakes throwing energy blasts and just screaming while their hair, like, spikes up and turns yellow. Like, it's the perfect, like, testosterone-fueled show out there. 
It got you pumped up for the block. Yeah. Like, every, I'm pretty sure every kid out there tried to throw a Kamehameha in the playground. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, tried to, try to scream and go Super Saiyan. <laughs> yeah, I have full faith those kids existed even back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Maltar era would continue until July 10th, 1999, when Maltar retired as the host of Toonami. As it was, a, it was time for some fresh blood, or some fresh circuits, shall we say. To usher in a new era and change Toonami forever. Spaceship Absolution, Cartoon Network's first and only interstellar broadcast and exploration vehicle. I'll give you the tour later. From this day forward, she is completely responsible for all Toonami transmissions. I'm taking you guys into the new millennium. No big changes now, same show, same attitude. New place to do it, new guy to do it with. I'm not going to waste any more time, let's get back into it. Later. July 19th, 1999, the world was introduced to Tom, played here by Sunny Strait. Uh, Tom, by the way, an acronym for Toonami Operations Module. And along with the new host came a new environment for Toonami, that being the ghost planet ship, Absolution. Just, ah, holy shit, all this was just perfect. Like, Toonami found its host, it found, it found its setting, it found... It's whole shtick. It's aesthetic. Like, it was, it had all finally come together at this point. Like, they figured it out. Like, this is Toonami right here. This little Bomberman-looking guy with a super sweet spaceship traveling through the galaxy with the sole purpose of showing us schlubs action cartoons. There was just something very appealing about it when you saw that as a kid. Like, yeah. wow, there's... <laughs> you As a kid, you almost, like... Got enrap got enraptured with the, the the whole idea. You actually can it actually made you kind of believe that somewhere out there in the universe, there was a robot who cared about you and knew that you liked cartoons and was providing them to you, and would also and also cared about you as a viewer, cared about you and your development, and like wanted to introduce you to these shows to almost um not just entertain you, but maybe inspire you with its messages and really like teach you like what the, what the true, what the true soul of these works were in the end. Yeah, exactly. Like Tom felt like he, he felt like this older sibling, you know, saying like, Hey, 
I got I got the hookup on like all these cool cartoons from Japan. Cool is the word there. Yeah. He was cool. He was super cool. Smooth. Smooth, snarky, but deep down very sweet. And also I love that they kept uh, continuity with Space Ghost by saying the absolution was created by Ghost Planet Industries, which is where is like the building on like the Ghost Planet where they host Coast to Coast and everything. <laughs> I love that. And that night, uh, when Tom was introduced, there was also the night Toonami gained a secondary block called uh, The Midnight Run, where, like, you know, outside of the first night, which aired on a Tuesday, uh, The Midnight Run will exclusively be a Saturday night block from midnight to 5 a.m., where they showed less edited versions of the shows they would normally show in the afternoon. You know, getting away with a little bit more blood and, uh, oh, hell yeah, we can say damn, damn it. <laughs> Give it to me. Give me all, teach me all the swears. All the swears that I can't say in front of my parents because, you know, I'm, I'm a nervous little six-year-old. Which I probably also can't watch because I'm asleep by 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was an early sleeper when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, my dad said I could stay up as late as I want on weekends, but uh, nah, I, I never made it past 11. Uh. <laughs> I gotta bring this up just for you. Uh, one of the shows that joined Tsunami for the Midnight Run... The Powerpuff Girls. Hey, nice. Yep. So, that, like, with that new <laughs> block, with that new block, that became kind of a unofficial tsunami show too. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, Midnight Run would be shortened to one hour the following year. But uh, as consolation, it would air on weekday nights. So instead of uh, one five-hour block, it would be five one-hour blocks throughout the week. The cool thing about this is that it would allow the tsunami crew to get experimental. You know, on special nights, they would actually show uh, music videos. Like there was uh, one night where they premiered the music video for "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger" by Daft Punk. And they aired uh, three other music videos from the same album, Discovery, which were that which were uh, directed by legendary uh, director Leiji Matsumoto, the man behind uh, Space Battleship Yamato, Galaxy Express 999, and Captain Harlock. And uh, this compilation was called uh, Interstellar 5555. Mm, fantastic stuff. Daft Punk also just fitting that aesthetic. They're so fitting for Tanami. Like, they even look like Tom. <laughs> <laughs> aired music videos for the songs uh, Clint Eastwood, 19, 2000, Tomorrow Comes Today by uh, Gorillaz. Gorillaz, baby! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cool of them. And also uh, Hellbent by Kenna. <laughs> but now, nah, how about that? Like, showing these, like, cool music videos to, like, young, impressionable children back in the day. It also came around in a weird way when, like, years later, you know, like, you know, Gorillas, Powerpuff Girls, both aired on Toonami, and then years later, Ace from the Powerpuff Girls <laughs> joins Gorillas for one album. Yeah. <laughs> and even though, even though on the outside I was confused by that, on the inside I was screaming internally. <laughs> I mean, he does look like a Gorillas character, like, he fits perfectly with their group. I mean, yeah, he, he looks like Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, nice of him to get away from the gang green gang for a little while. Yeah, just a little bit and explore his music career. Yeah. <laughs> he looked so fucking weird during that time. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, that was Gorillaz on Toonami. Yeah. And so in uh, 2000, Toonami would gain some more franchises that would be uh, synonymous with the block. Those being uh, the legendary space war epic Gundam and the legendary harem show that was a sexual awakening for many, Tenshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was too young to understand, you know, the geopolitical war drama of Gundam, but I did enjoy seeing giant fighting robots. So, yeah, that was a win there. <laughs> Apologies to any Gundam fans out there for uh, me bowling it down to the barest fucking minimum with that line there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please, I'm we're, we're sorry, but, like, we're not a, like, I'm sorry, we're not a Gundam cop podcast. Give us credit. Give us credit. Go listen to other Gundam podcasts. Y yes, throw a rock and you will find one. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I feel like between the both of us, you've seen more Tenchi than I have. A bit more Tenchi, a bit more Tenchi. Um, I think, uh, I mean, oh god. I think it was technically 
As weird as it sounds, it was technically the first harem anime I ever saw in my life. <laughs> uh, but but I mean, there's a reason why it's like had so much longevity. Like the characters are actually quite yeah, definitely the characters and the hu- and the humor is good as well. I mean, you know, with the original cast, that is like other Tenchi works. Uh, you know, your your mileage will vary, but the the original series, like, still a classic by many modern standards. Uh, I'm sure it was ripped off by many other anime as well. <laughs> yep. And also very influential to, like, uh, Western animators, you know, like, Ida from the Owl House is really based on one of the characters there. Yep, yep. Uh, Ryuko, I believe. Yep, Ryuko. <laughs> like, they're both the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's good re- That's that's good inspiration, though. Ryuko's awesome. I mean, if you're going to base a character off, off anyone in Tenchi, you might as well go for, like, one of the best ones. The the best girl yes, in that whole series. absolutely. The best. <laughs> <laughs> like, even I know she's awesome. <laughs> Though uh, 2000 would mark a big shift in Toonami, uh, in September we would see the first of many total immersion events. These little mini serials were like, you have a story going on while you're watching Toonami. Like, they're very cool. And who else did something like this? No one, really. Like, maybe, say, I guess, like, maybe, like, you'd find serial commercials where it's all like, ooh, find the code and we'll figure and continue the story here or something like that. Like, like, like Kids WB did like snippets and like in between shows and commercials and stuff. But like, that was all very like tongue in cheek stuff done in house. Yeah. Or like a uh, box kids doing stuff like, I don't know, Digimon bloopers, which is just them messing with the footage and the characters messing around. But Toonami was taking an original character they made here and putting him at the center of his own story. It's like they thought, okay, we created this world. We created this character. Let's have some fun with this. Let's do these stories and, like, explore more of, like, Tom and these characters. In a way, it was kind of a smart move. They they, they did they did zero in on, on that very true thing that kids were getting into Tom and loving all this and loving the aesthetic. And I, maybe it was a bit of a gamble at the time to think that anyone would care about the host of the program, like, our made-up host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, was just, who was just giving you the cartoons that you, that you, that you watched the whole block for. So maybe at the time it was, it may, it may have seemed like a bit of a gamble, but holy hell, did it pay off? Yeah, and like, uh, these would air on the block every single day, so like, it would give kids like, more of an incentive to like, tune in every afternoon after school, and even some of it would take place online, so it would direct traffic to their website too. And from September 18th to the 22nd, we got the first Total Immersion event entitled, The Intruder. This special was about Tom combating an alien intruder that looked like the blob, but it results in Tom being killed by the intruder. Like, holy shit, I remember that moment where, like, he's in the elevator and the, and the intruder just swarms him and just, like, sucks him all up. You know, you see his hand going up going up like uh, Terminator 2 and then he's dead. And he's completely dissolved and he's gone. Like, and that, 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 like, blew my mind as a kid. I was freaked out. I'm just all like, what? What happened to Tom? Like, what? Is, yeah, <laughs> what? How it happened? Like, no, Tom. He's fucking dead. <laughs> Or is he? With the help of his AI partner, Sarah, who uh, made her debut here, played here by uh, Sally Timms, Tom was reborn, introducing Tom 2, complete with a sleek new design. He's a uh, taller, darker, slimmer, and he even had a new voice actor. From this point on, Tom would be played by Steve motherfucking Bloom. You know, Spike Spiegel and Jake Martinez himself. Damn, what a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sonny, he did a great job, but like, Steve... He is Tom. He is Toonami. Like, I mean, I, yeah, Sonny Strait will always be the original for me. I will always be. love and respect him for that. But but yeah, Steve has stayed on after all these years uh, for a reason. He's, he's, you know, he's just had that dedication to the role and just 
absolutely nails the personality of Tom so well. Like he absolutely is that character. He they both they both share the identity for that character. Yeah, well, absolutely. And uh, this event would end with Tom detaching the engine of the Absolution, which is taken over by the Intruder, and sending it and the Intruder flying off into space, never to be seen again. Hang on to that. <laughs> and to close it out, fans were actually able to vote on the new design for the uh, Absolution engines, and like that was really cool. Just like, thrown out to the fans for a little contest? Man, I miss those days. Yeah, I, I miss contests and sweepstakes, you know, like join in and you can win like a Nintendo 64 or whatever. But actually having decisions in the design of the thing that you were watching, that was such an awesome move. Yeah, like in the uh, special itself, you know, like one of the characters was all like, oh, I thought you were going to go with this one. And then he's like, nah, this feels better. Everyone thought it was cooler. <laughs> but no, the Intruder event, fucking incredible. I have fond memories of that. And like to this day, it's still a, like a classic Toonami moment. Like what a game changer that one was. <laughs> <laughs> really, pro Really proving just how strong the brand was at that point. That, like, you can make people care about your host getting... Your, your made-up host getting killed off. In these little five-minute shorts right before you watch Dragon Ball Z. Like, holy crap. It was, it was a gambit, but it paid off. Yeah, definitely. And with the intruder behind us, we are now in the Tom 2 era. And I feel like this era is when Toonami was, like, at its best during the uh, that initial run in Afternoons. Like, I feel like this is quintessential classic Toonami. I would say, yeah, in a way, it was peak Toonami. And, like, uh, entering uh, 2001, they would become uh, flush with, like, tons of new shows. Because, like, you know, they're officially on the map at this point. You know, including uh, Outlaw Star. <coughs> More on that later. <coughs> the Big O. Cardcaptor Sakura. Or just Cardcaptors, as they called it. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. OG Dragon Ball, you know, before Z. And Zoids. Remember Zoids? I mean, I kind of remember Zoids. You know, why not Zoids? I don't remember any of the characters, but I remember the robots. Yeah, I remember the cool robots. <laughs> and saw all those toys at Target that my grandma never bought for me. And I tried building one. I gave up on it quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have the patience. Oh, but uh, around this time, uh, Time Warner got an idea. An idea that I don't think a lot of people know about. You know, they're all like, what if I were to take Toonami's branding... And add it to Kids WB. Oh, delightfully devilish Time Warner. <laughs> uh, yeah, from July 2001 to June 2002, Kids WB's weekday afternoon block would be called Toonami on Kids WB, complete with bumpers of Tom and the Absolution flying around the Warner Brothers lot. <laughs> Tom never actually spoke, but, uh, and we just got like the regular, you know, Jim Cummings uh, Kids WB announcer to say, like, you know, coming up next, uh, Jackie Chan Adventures or whatever. But uh, there was one promo where they had Tom talk, and the fucking state of it. It was not Steve Bloom. It was just some actor going all like, oh, wow, this is cool. Uh, watch Toonami. Ah. Oh, come on. Can't even put in the effort for that. It's like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm not Tom. <laughs> Three. Don't miss the 
But it was basically like just same kids WB with Toonami bumpers. Though they did air uh, both Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. Uh, guess how long that lasted? Two weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, a, a grand experiment that one. Yeah, like, and for the rest of the time, they just showed like you know Jackie Chan Adventures and like Pokemon, and that's it. <laughs> you know, super tsunami shows, Jackie Chan Adventures. And unsurprisingly, this was critically panned, and even more unsurprisingly, it lasted less than a year. <laughs> uh, anyway, back on Cartoon Network, we got our second total immersion event entitled Lockdown. And this event aired from September 17th to the 21st in 2001. Nice to see uh, Toonami was there for us in America after certain events from the previous week. <laughs> oh. You know, they were there to help our nation heal. <laughs> you know, WWE may have had the first mass event at with the uh, 9-11 Smackdown, but uh, Toonami had the first total immersion event. You know, not many people can say that. You know, Toonami, good job on keeping it cool after that. You know, but uh, they could have used more uh, Stephanie McMahon uh, comparing 9-11 to Vince's steroid trial. <laughs> you know, they tried to attack our family. They tried to lock down Tom, but we stood up against them. Ugh, the national lunacy after that. <laughs> hey, Tsunami, you kept it cool after you that. Kept, you, Good for you. You were keeping it real. You didn't try to have Tom, like, deliver a eulogy for, like, all those who died in 9-11. You know, not every cartoon needs to talk about 9-11 in the wake of 9-11. Yeah, you know, not everyone had to talk about about 9-11. Because kids don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, national tragedy or whatnot, but like, we were kids, who gives a shit? Yeah, that's that's a conversation that should not be delivered through like a cartoon uh, robot or anything. Yeah, or anything like that. Or, or wrestling personalities. Or a panda. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this event involved uh, Tom trying to save the absolution from a giant trash compactor, and uh, the way this worked is that each day viewers would go onto uh, Toonami's website and play a game to save the absolution where they controlled little robots to like get the absolution out of this uh, trash compactor tractor beam. And uh, in doing so, fans would get entered to a sweepstakes to win, like, uh, Nintendo prizes since they were the sponsor. So, yeah, that was pretty cool there. God, I love cool stuff like that. Just going online and actually playing a video game to try and influence things. <laughs> yeah, it was nice of them to, like, really amp up the uh, audience participation for this one. Kind of reminds me of, like, the uh, the Altidore Cup from Neopets, where, like, you can play, like, an online game and then just, like, the, the points, like, like all, like... Uh, accumulate up for, like, all the players that are, like, on respective teams, you know, for, like, all the worlds of the... Yeah. Inside that universe. How, however many players earn the most amount of points for that respective team, they win. <laughs> Stuff like that is cool. Yeah, and, like, uh, with this one, uh, like, you had moments on Toonami where Tom would talk to the audience and say, like, hey, great job, blue team, you did great. Here's our, some of our top players for this week or whatever. And, like, you know, they would also give, like, codes to make your characters even stronger in game two during the block, so it give you more incentive to watch Toonami. <laughs> So, uh, we talked about some of, uh, Toonami's big anime acquisitions and events, but, uh, nah, none of those can compare to what happened in the summer of 2002. Toonami would receive a show that would go down in the annals of history. You know, forget your Dragon Balls, forget your Sailor Moons, forget your Gundams, even forget your Zoids. Because this is the real big dog of Toonami. Rather big... ham... They are kind of cute. What are we shouting you for? Out of the way! Follow me! If I weren't so excited, I'd be confused. Come on! This time's your nose when you smell the adventure. Yeah! You want to rob me, Pierce? 
presents the story of a rodent with mad skills. Saving the world one hamster at a time. Help me, I can't swim! I it! Hamtaro, Monday, June 3rd at 4. Big things come in small packages. Only Tsunami. If I weren't so excited, I'd be confused. It's Hamtaro time! <laughs> oh. Love those ham hams. Uh, who doesn't love Hamtaro? They're the greatest. <laughs> You know, it's just like, I love the, the promo when it first showed up, where, you know, we had Hamtaro singing this cute song, and Tom's all like, what's this? <laughs> like, um, even Tom is in disbelief that they're getting this for the program. And he's all like, eh, they are cute, I guess. Hamtaro on Toonami. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever an anime that was more of a least, that was less of a fit for Toonami, it's Hamtaro. <laughs> And if you thought this reeked of uh, executive interference, then you'd be right. Basically, the suits at Cartoon Network licensed the series and wanted to air it on uh, in the afternoons on weekdays. But that's when Toonami airs. And they're all like, yes. Yes, it is. Glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> Have fun. Make it fit. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> and with no other choice, Toonami aired Hamtaro despite it being completely ill-fitting for the vlog. Oh, uh, man. You know what? Despite that, I still watched it. Oh, I watched the hell out of it. I love Hamtaro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was cute as a kid. Also, bless Peter Cullen, because he was the announcer for the promos at the time. You know, voice of Optimus Prime. <laughs> Having to sell Hamtaro with that, with, that gr with that grand base of his. You know, little hamsters, big adventures. Hamtaro is here to save the day <laughs> and fight the Decepticons. <laughs> uh, he gave it his best. He gave it socks, you know. Which is, yeah, Hamtaro, it's cute. I love it. I watched the hell out of that show. And uh, anyone out there, uh, please rescue the license to Hamtaro. I, I want to watch that again. You know, Discotech, I'm looking at you. Save Hamtaro for me, please. Hey, it, it deserves it, you know, despite it all. Yeah, you know, give me Hamtaro or go to hell. <laughs> anyway, after adding uh, the biggest show in Toonami history right there, don't at me, uh, the Black Hat kept chugging along in 2002. So in September, after the summer of Hamtaro, Toonami would air its third Total Immersion event called Trapped in Hyperspace, but you can't guess what happened in this one. <laughs> Uh, this one was just about uh, Sarah being infected by a virus called Swayzak while traveling through hyperspace, and it was up to Tom to save her. And uh, like with Lockdown, it was uh, fans could play a game online to you know help Tom like stop this virus and get Toonami out of hyperspace. And uh, it was like it was like lesser of the immersion events, but eh, it was still fun. Yeah, it was still cool to see. And in 03, Toonami got some more new shows, such as but not limited to Yu Yu Hakusho, Rurouni Kenshin, which was created by Sex Pervert. Please stop supporting the show. Uh, some more Gundam. Step into the Grand Tour, Grand Tour, Grand Tour. Step into the Grand Tour, Dragon Ball GT. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> they they couldn't. Uh, they they shouldn't maybe done without with that one. Yeah, they they were out of Z at that point, and that was the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, they even aired some more uh, Western cartoons, such as uh, Justice League and the uh, the Double Whammy from Gendy Tartakovsky, Samurai Jack, and Star Wars Clone Wars. Oh yes. So perfect. Yeah, you can, feel free to gush about Jack a little bit here, if you want to. Because <laughs> I know that's your boy. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Samurai Jack. It's, 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 could reasonably be seen as Gendy Tartakovsky's magnum opus. Like, it's, it's, it, given all the atmosphere and action of that show, it was right at home in Toonami. And also, like, he did a good adaptation of Star Wars with the, the original Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, Clone Wars. Yeah, the original Clone Wars. I feel like that one kind of gets forgotten in the grand scheme of things yeah, today. Technically, it's non-canon now, so, yeah, you know. 
But it, it still deserves a lot of credit. It he does, and his team did a lot of great work on there. It's still good, and it still did a good enough job to like connect both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith at the time. Yes, absolutely. But uh, also in February, Toonami aired uh, Giant Robot Week, which was a special week where they aired nothing but anime with giant fighting robots, uh, such as uh, Robotech, Martian Successor Nadesco, Die Guard, and the biggest of all... Gigantor, Gigantor, Gigantor. <laughs> Any excuse to sing that song. <laughs> Too much fun. Oh, and also they aired something called Neon Genesis Evangelion or whatever. Some obscure-ass show. Probably never heard of it. But in all seriousness, yeah, Toonami aired Ava. Kind of. They aired two episodes... Heavily edited, and then never again. Ah, oh, man. It's like, they probably looked at the rest of the series and thought like, oh, 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 we're fucking not. Which is, which is funny, because today they absolutely would air Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. If so, they could. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, uh, folks watching that at the time, they would have to wait until a couple years later to watch uh, Ava on uh, Adult Swim proper. Yeah. Though, the biggest thing to happen to Toonami in 2003 was the block getting another facelift. As we are introduced to Tom 3, and this Tom's got beef. Robo beef. <laughs> hey there, it's your old pal Tom. Got some big news, but let's get the big guy to help me out. Get ready, playtime is over, little girl. Starting March 17th, Toonami's got the new deal. Let's do it. New Tom, new absolution, new shows. Same old goodness. He always makes it sound so good. Hey, don't forget to log on to Nami.com and check the exclusive online comic find out how I got this new look. It's a bit of a tale. See you March 17. Late. And uh, unlike the switch from Tom 1 to Tom 2 getting explained through uh, an immersion event, Tom's shift to his uh, third form was actually explained in an online-only comic at the time. Of uh, Toonami Comics, of which there has been a bit of a history of. Yeah, I think there was also like a Toonami comic to like introduce the block itself back in the Moltar era back in the day. In fact, I do actually own a Toonami comic, yeah. actually, from the uh, from the more recent years, though. Ah. Out of a uh, Toonami box, actually, that I acquired. Nice. I've actually never opened it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, like, okay, this, I don't think this will ever, like, be re-released ever again. Eh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt to, like, keep it sealed up. You know, mint condition. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and also uh, Sarah got an upgrade to give her a full body, too, at around this time. Yes, that was very nice to see. And she was now played by uh, Samantha Robson of uh, Red Dwarf fame, which made her even more British than usual. <laughs> Outside the shows that I previously mentioned, uh, in 2003, Tommy would produce its first uh, anime miniseries uh, called IGPX, which would then get turned into a full show in 2005. Put a pin in this one as we'll come back to it. But uh, going into 2004, Tsunami would experience another change, though this one would be not so great. Uh, in April 2004, Toonami would officially be moved from weekday afternoons to Saturday evenings. And this would mark the end of Toonami on weekdays forever. Bit of an end of an era here. Uh, yeah, it kind of was. I mean, as a kid, I didn't really care too much, I guess. I think I was just happy to, to get, like, any Toonami out there. Oh, yeah, like... I, it didn't really hit me just how big of a change it was at the time. 
Oh, and do you remember what replaced Hinami and Wheat Days at the time? Maguzi. Hey, I liked Maguzi. I mean, it had some good shows on there. It I, had some charm. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I like Totally Spies. I don't like Totally Spies. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't like good French film right there? <laughs> uh, no, I do not. No, I do not enjoy uh, French foot fetishists <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> Ah, the feet humor in that show. Oh, like any weird bondage and shit like that, fetish shit. Like, uh, a lot of, lot of clips for sale stuff you'd see on that show. No, but I'm, I'm speaking about, like, Code Lyoko. Ah, like, that, that shit was the bomb. It looks cool, but I never got into it. It was, it was quite, it was quite nice, although, um, and it's still kind of technically going on to this day, except in, like, different forms. Although, I, I miss the old aesthetic of the show, though. I, that, that's the one I miss the most. That's what's been keeping me away from, like, any of the more recent works. They don't look like the originals. Ah, uh, not the same? No, just not the same to me. Mm. But I have fond memories of that show. I also remember Maguzi airing, uh, they did air some Pokemon, and also they aired the, uh, I think the 2003 Ninja Turtles cartoon around that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, those were fun. Yeah. Which is like the overall feel of the block. Just like this is like far cry from Toonami. Just this and kind of and just kind of like aesthetically weird and like like kind of disconnected from Toonami that came before. Uh, with the weird looking fish gleep glops in there, like that those scared me when I was little. Like what, <laughs> I'm just like, what am I looking at? Weirdly, I was kind of fine with them. They they were they actually came to be kind of endearing to me after a while. <laughs> but you did have like one human girl who I think was played by Jessica DiCiccio. Total Programming, Ben 10, Codename Kids Next Door, Juniper Lee, Megas XLR. Hey, Megas. Mucha Lucha. Ah, oh, Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. Robot Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Static Shock, Teen yeah, Titans. Yeah, yeah. Xiaolin yeah. Showdown. Yeah. I like that show. <laughs> Zatch Bell. Oh, uh, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with the block. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're kind of underselling it here. They yeah. had good they had good shows on there. They that did I have good shows there. Just I wasn't a fan of the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. So uh, in this run from 2004 to uh, 2006, Toonami kept going, albeit weekly instead of daily. And uh, we still got plenty of good more shows, such as uh, aforementioned Zatch Bell, kind of cross both blocks there. Boba Bo Bo Boba Bo. That's how you pronounce it. Yes, I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Rave Master, aka Fairy Tale 0.1. Dual Masters, that uh, one Yu Gi Oh ripoff looking thing. But we also got some major hits too. One of those being One Piece. Four kids, One Piece. Uh, hey, they, they they were the only ones bringing it out over here. I will take it. Yeah. As a kid, I took everything that was One Piece. But uh, after Alabasta, they transitioned into Funimation One Piece, which is good now. Awkwardly transitioning without telling any, without telling us. Yeah. Yet they still kept some of the weird quirks of the original, like Sanji didn't smoke and Zoro was still Zolo. Mm-hmm. But it was better. I was, like, I was like, wait, what the hell? Why is Zoro's voice deeper? Why does he sound like Vegeta? Why does Sanji, why does Sanji sound so less congested now? Why does he sound like a normal human being? <laughs> <laughs> Robin, where's your southern accent? I thought you were from <laughs> Island, Texas. <laughs> Luffy, where's your weird <laughs> laugh? <laughs> it didn't face me for too long, though. Uh, like, one Piece was still One Piece to me. Yeah, but yeah, One Piece on Toonami, that's great. Yeah, that was cool to see. But outside of One Piece, there was still a big shonen around that time that came on Tsunami. You know, this was the age of Boruto's dad, a.k.a. Naruto. <laughs> Next up, going to school is pretty tough. Not really, Tom. Well, it is when you're the class clown in a school full of ninjas. Take it away. 
In Hidden Leaf Village, the art of ninjutsu is a way of life. For centuries, peace and prosperity have ruled the land, but it wasn't always so. Local legend speaks of an evil spirit trapped within a young boy. His name? Naruto. Hated and feared by other students, he dreams of one day becoming Head Ninja. But getting there isn't gonna be easy, cause Leaf Village Academy is no ordinary school. Classes are tough, everyone's a bully, and any test could be your final exam. Fortunately, this class clown's inner demon is about to graduate. Naruto, coming this summer. Confront your enemies. Hey, Naruto fit on Toonami. Oh, it did. Like, holy shit. If you remember Toonami from this era, you remember how much they loved Naruto. They loved him so much. And you know what? As a, as a, as a young preteen, I like Naruto as well. I didn't get into it at the time. I, I learned to appreciate Naruto years later. But at the time, I don't blame them for, like, leaning heavily into Naruto because it was a phenomenon at the time. Yeah, it was it was a it was very it was extremely popular. Like you'd see commercials with the toys, you'd see people in like everyday life wearing the headbands or doing like the signs and everything. I knew kids in high school that could like do full hand signs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who were like closet fans of it and just waiting to find anyone who even was even who had even heard of it before to talk about it. I remember going to some Japanese summer camps in the in the summer and I see I saw a ton of people with just like you know, the Hidden Leaf Village, like, headbands, you know, around their necks or around their heads. Like, all the different village headbands. And it was fun! The early stuff was fun! Yeah, like, I wouldn't discover it until years later, but yeah, the early stuff of Naruto is a lot of fun. Like, through the tuning exams and everything. Like, it's actually good. Like, it was baller shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that Rock Lee Gara fight is absolutely amazing. Holy crap, I still go back and revisit that fight to this day. Like, even back then, when I wasn't watching it, I still saw the promos for it, and I thought, okay, this actually does look cool. Toonami loved Naruto so much, like, they made that the big anchor since they didn't have any more DBZ to air, so they made that the new big dog shonen to air every week on Toonami. That might have been the smart decision of that time. Yeah, it was, like, their best choice. Like, as much as we both love One Piece, four kids basically killed any chance of that being popular at the time. By the way, uh, guess how many times they marathoned Naruto <laughs> during its run on Toonami from, like, 2005 to 2007? Uh, five times? You gotta go higher. Nine times? Bam! Bang on! <laughs> <laughs> they did nine Naruto marathons from 2005 to 2007. <laughs> the most infamous of them being the uh, Naruto Hundo, which aired the first 100 episodes of Naruto in an entire weekend. Holy shit. Like, they only took breaks to, like, let Adult Swim air, but once that was done, it was back to more Naruto. Oh my god. Yeah, so three days, each day from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. You got... can't you can't do marathons that long anymore. <laughs> That's, that, it, it's just not possible. Like, Naruto's popular, but I can't imagine watching, like, over 12 hours of Naruto in a single day. My God! When I think back to like the like just like the, the like the like the legendary Iron Iron Giant marathon, for God's sake, like that like all, like that much time dedicated to the syndication of one program, it's 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 just ridiculous. 
Also, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., that's Eastern time. So us on the Central time zone, it would be 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., so even earlier. Woo! Man. Like, that's too much. That's way too much. Ugh. But other than Naruto, one other big thing the Tom 3 era is known for is introducing to a wider audience the works of the legendary Hayao Miyazaki with their Month of Miyazaki. Man Against Nature. The insects must be stopped. Spirits against humans. You shouldn't be here. Get out of here. Go! Man against man. Hold it right there! And the most fantastic visuals around. Let's go! Spirited away. I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming! Princess Mononoke. This is what hatred looks like! Castle in the sky. That was exciting. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. You must not burn down! You started, human. Toonami is proud to present four of the greatest animated movies ever made. This is unbelievable. A month of Miyazaki, starting March 18th at 7.30. Don't sleep on it. We're doing this for the good of the planet. Only Toonami on Cartoon Network. They aired uh, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Castle in the Sky, and Nazca Valley of the Wind. And that this, this was my introduction to Miyazaki. Same here. Like, I have Toonami, specifically, to thank for my love of Miyazaki to this day. That was my introduction. They did that for me. <laughs> and I am eternally grateful. Yeah, and like, and also uh, per Miyazaki's policy, all of these aired uncut and unedited. They Rightfully had, so. Rightfully so. Like, they had to cut for commercials, but like, didn't mess with any of his works like you don't mess with, with perfection there you know tv ratings be damned mm -hmm. and it was it was just so cool like them paying love and tribute to like this amazing legendary animator right here and just showing you know doing public service and showing us loves this work of his i think spirit i think spirit away was my favorite i would have to agree spirit away is just amazing i love it and uh, going into 2007, Toonami would begin to tease even more change. He got these uh, promos around the time in early 2007, you know, saying things are coming, big things are coming for Toonami around its uh, 10th anniversary. And on March 17th, 2007, change is what they gave us. And not for the better. Ready to make the magic happen? All right, boys, let's do this. Agawasanfa, Agawasanfa, showtime. Hey, Flash, give me a go, no go for launch. In the pipe, five by five. Word. Gotta go talk to the big guy. Hey, little man, what's up? Ooh, any dance? That's why you're a pro, baby. D, sit rep. We're in the green. Deck is cute. First break in six minutes. We are go in five, four, three, two. Introducing Tom Four and oh my god, what's wrong with your face? Oh my god, <laughs> Tom the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. He, he he looks like those like 
He, he looks like those, like, fucked up, like, robot plastic faces or something that, like, almost look like you'd find them on the front of, like, a blowjob machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is just a bad design. It was hideous. And also, like, even worse, it added more work to the animators because they now have to, like, animate to, like, lip movements and facial expressions when before, you know, Tom, you just had, like, this helmet and you just had to animate to the movement. Yeah, it's just more work now. Yeah, like, and you can't reuse animation, so it's all like, oh, God, you give them more work and waste more money. Oh, God. Fuck you, Absolution. We got a stationary control tower called Flowers 3 now. And also, fuck you, Sarah. We got two new robot sidekicks named Flash and D, who everyone hated. Just about everyone agreed, like, even in retro- even, like, later people down the line in retrospect agreed this was a bad decision. Even people who worked on Toonami say this was one of their worst decisions. Oof. Like, they- even people said- like, they said, like, if they could take it back, they would. They would not give Tom a face. They would not do any of that stuff. Mm. And this was to celebrate the 10th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, happy fucking birthday. And it maybe wouldn't have been so bad if the programming was, like, still, like- like, top shelf, you know? Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, Toonami was kind of a shell of its former self here, because by the fall of 2007, it was only shortened down to two hours every Saturday night. Yeah, the golden age by this point was well past. And, like, outside of, like, an hour of Naruto and maybe, like, a Samurai Jack or Dragon Ball Z, it people just started to tune out in droves, so, like, no one cared. Well, also around that time, Naruto was entering its, like, endless filler arc, too. Oh, the hundreds and hundreds of episodes of filler. Oh, uh, and Toonami had to air that, because yeah. they had nothing else to go off of. Because, like, we couldn't get to Shippuden yet, because that wasn't a thing. Uh And just, like, also around that time, YouTube started to become more popular, and people were just, like, putting anime rips online, subtitled, and people were all like, oh, I can watch this anytime, I don't have to wait for Saturday night to hope a new episode airs or whatever. It was just kind of dying at that point. It was very sad to see. And on September 20th, 2008, citing low ratings, announced at Anime Week in Atlanta that Toonami would be cancelled. And later that night, Toonami would air its final broadcast. Well, this is the end, beautiful friends. After more than 11 years, this is Toonami's final broadcast. It's been a lot of fun. And we'd like to thank each and every one of you who've made this journey with us. Toonami wouldn't have been anything without you. Hopefully, we've left you with some good memories. So, until we meet again, stay gold. Bang. Good dude. And what a sad end for Toonami, like... Despite Tom's final words being bang, nice reference to Cowboy Bebop, by the way, uh, the final broadcast went out with more of a whimper than a bang. Could they not have announced this a week ahead of time, you know, build up the final tsunami, you know, give people a chance to, like, come to terms with this? Just like, no, they do a panel, like, at Anime Week in Atlanta that morning, and then several hours later, here's the final broadcast, that's it. Uh, too, that was, that's too soon, man. That's too abrupt. Was it that much of an afterthought at that point? Like, it seemed like it. It was just sad to see. You know, like, WCW's final Nitro got more of a farewell than this did. And while I wasn't following Toonami much at the time, I, I kind of tuned out as well. But to find out that it was all over, like, hearing that it ended was a bit heartbreaking. As a young preteen, like, I even I could sense the end was, like, coming ahead even before that. But, like, I still try to remain loyal and, like, you know, try to... And I still tried to squeeze any kind of enjoyment I still could out of what Toonami was still giving me. But, like... Yeah, that, that end came as a, 
That, that game was a real sad shock to me. Yeah, like, even the people working on Toonami, they kind of knew the writing was on the wall. Like, that final farewell from Tom, like, uh, they recorded that with Steve Bloom, like, you know, a long time in advance, just in case they got word, like, okay, this is it, and then they'd be ready to air it. But just, like, yeah, this this cool block that introduced me and a lot of people to the world of anime was just no more one day. You know, the sun finally rose on a world without Toonami. And kind of coincidentally, this happened as we were entering high school. This was, like, fall of ninth grade. This this It, it was, like, a time where, like, we could have really used something like Toonami in our lives. Yeah. To, like, re- to like really help us through, like, the, the, tough time, the tough times, the awkward times, and to let us know everything was okay. We had that as kids, but we really need... I've, I, I really could have used that throughout yeah, high school. Like, I had wrestling, but at the same time, I needed something more. I needed more variety. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was also around the time where, like, Cartoon Network was starting to go down a bit, Nickelodeon was starting to go down a bit, you know, that was kind of the CN real era. Just... I mean, yeah, televised programming around the, around the time was entering a real dark age. Yeah, like, when I, if I had to find anime, I had to go on my own, because that's when I really re- rediscovered my love of anime was that high school time period. Mm. But I had to do it on my own. And without Toonami, it just, yeah, kind of continued with that for four years. Then came April 1st, 2012. Adult Swim. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have April Fools. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, for one night only, Adult Swim aired Toonami. Holy shit. And I wasn't present for it. We missed it. Oh. I think we were both hanging out that night, but we were watching something else. I Because we, we thought to ourselves, oh, it's probably just going to be another broadcast of The Room. And we, and it was, <laughs> we thought it was. Like, if you tuned in, you thought you were going to be in for an entire night of oh, highs and <laughs> what a story. But then, like, it cut from the opening to Tom in his chair going, like, oh, hi, Adult Swim. We got the test results back. We definitely have April Fools and a full night of Toonami. Oh, God. And for and for one night after so long, it felt like everything was right again. Like, they aired that week's new episode of Bleach and then a bunch of classic Toonami shows like Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, Tenshi Muyo, Outlaw Star, The Big O, Yu Yu Hakusho, Blue Submarine Number 6, Trigun, 1960s Astro Boy, and the best of all, Gigantor. (laughs) (laughs) This was so cool. And they even did a game review for Mass Effect 3, which just came out around the time. (laughs) And aired the classic Broken Promises music video. God, Adult Swim, man, that that is one of their finest April Fools ever. One of the best. Even more fun coincidence right here, even though we weren't there... This uh, happened the same weekend as Anime Detour. 
and you'd hear stories like of people talking about running through the halls of the con floor and, and the hotel, the Doubletree, saying, Toonami's back! Turn on to Toonami's back! <laughs> Just spreading the word. Like, even voice actors who were guests there talk about that moment, like hearing the news that Toonami came back that night. <laughs> you know, the night no 90s kids slept, as they called it. <laughs> even though I slept. <laughs> oh, God. What a magical night. Yeah, I wish I was there for it. I wish. Yeah. I so wish. <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable, and just I did, and yeah, I didn't find out about it till the very next day. Mm, yeah, but, We're been kicking ourselves for it to this day. But uh, luckily, people did record the block, and I was able to catch like highlights of it on YouTube. And props to all of you people. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, the very next day, uh, Adult Swim tweeted out, "Want it back? Let us know." Hashtag Bring Back Tsunami. Right around this time. Some people were planning an actual, like, fan-made Toonami continuation. Oh, was that Neo Toonami? Yeah, that's what it was! Neo Toonami! Yeah! Yeah, there was an actual... <laughs> right around the same time, as Toonami was prepping to come back, some fans were already trying to bring it back. As, like, a fan project online where they can stream it or whatever. Now, I need to clarify that before this, uh, Toonami Aftermath had already existed, and I think Toonami Aftermath still exists to this day. Yes, I believe so. Uh, yeah, it's still streaming. Ah. Toonami <laughs> Aftermath. Airing, uh, as we're recording this, Two Stupid Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Man, props for keeping that project up for so long. Yeah. But yes, that that is that is an actual fan-run streaming site where they, like, air, like, old Toonami shows and bumpers. So that already existed before. But there was another attempt called Neo Toonami. And they wanted to use, like, original animation, like their own version of Tom, I think. Yeah, they, they, they designed their own original Tom. It didn't last long. I know that much. <laughs> oh, yeah, it didn't. Like, as soon as the regular Toonami came back, they were just, they were also like, well, that's the end of me. Yeah, it, it was, it was a bit sad. Because <laughs> they, re they really wanted to bring that back. They so wanted Can to. Can you imagine putting all that time and effort to, for this passion fan project, and then all of a sudden Adult Swim hits you with this? Oh, God. <laughs> That initial design looked kind of rough. Ooh, that's dog rough. Yeah. Gotta animate it first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that voice is uh, not the best either. It's very much someone doing a Steve Bloom impression with some, like, audio compression to it. Yeah, like, the, the actual final product looked, like, actually kind of decent yeah. for a fan project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, like, a real attempt back then to bring back uh, Toonami in some kind of, like, online streaming way. Yeah, but it, it goes to show that there was still an audience for Toonami even after four years after it ended. And then Adult Swim, they caught wind of that, they got this idea, hey, April Fools, let's bring back Toonami for one night, test the waters a bit, see how this goes. And so Neo Toonami was was dusted away into the wind. You know, the creators took it behind the tool shed and put it down like Lassie. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's it was great we were getting Toonami back. That but like that was just kinda sad. <laughs> yeah. No 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 joke, I would actually like to kind of tra track down those original creators and interview them. Yeah, like, uh, I want to know what they thought of it. Like, were they happy Toonami's back in general, and just, or were they just sad that all that work kind of went I, to waste? Yeah, I'd be curious to, like, know what their thoughts were on that and, like, what they've kind of been doing since. Mm -hmm. if, if anyone out there can connect us to them, I, I would actually relish the opportunity to interview them. Absolutely, 100%. So, yeah, after the, uh, the Bring Back Toonami hashtag was out in the wild, for the next month or so, Adult Swim kept teasing fans about any new developments you know you tune into adult swim that night 
hoping to get something new, and just at the start, you just see the little bumper saying, I'm like, we hear you, we're looking into it, hang on. Then, on May 16th, they posted on their Facebook page that Toonami would be back on May 26th, replacing Adult Swim action on Saturday nights. Hell yes. And funny, like, Toonami ended right when we were entering high school, and it came back right when we were about to graduate. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, because uh, we were seniors, we got let out before uh, the rest of the school, so I'm pretty sure... I think it was like that Friday was the last day, and then the next day was Toonami. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I guess better late than never, but like... Better, yeah. It's it's almost ex- it's almost precisely like when we started our high school career, it went away. Yeah. And, when we, and as we were exiting it, it was returning. You know, they were there for our childhoods, and now they're there for adulthood. Oh, my goodness. But that's, <laughs> that's a hell of a place to leave off on Toonami, man. It really is. And I'll never forget that first night back. And we watched it together. We made sure to hang yes, that night. Yes, we made sure. We weren't there for, like, the April Fool's, but we made damn sure we were going to be there for the return. And we were welcomed in with Toonami's back, bitches, to celebrate Tom's return to television. That awesome rap by Richie Branson. <laughs> and, yeah, and they're back with two new shows, Dead Man Wonderland and Cash and Sins. And the rest of the block would be uh, holdovers from Adult Swim action like uh, Bleach, FMA Brotherhood. Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, and Cowboy Bebop. But whatever. It was great to have Toonami back. I will take this. Opinions have changed on Dead Man, but I still kind of enjoy that show just for being batshit insane and kind of like a B-movie. Right, right. It does have some kind of appeal on that level. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I watched Casher and Sins now, I'd appreciate it more. Yeah, like, I thought it was, I thought it was just, like, okay when, when it originally aired. Yeah. But, like, I, I also really did not have the context for the wider yeah. uh, brand of Kesher. Yeah, you know, the Tatsunoko kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, also I would like to thank Toonami here, like, because it, it got me into FMA Brotherhood. Because I remember I watched, like, the, the FMA Brotherhood episode that night when I got, when I got home. You know, it was the episode after they revealed that, uh... King Bradley was a homunculus, but I missed that part, so I didn't realize it was a homunculus <laughs> until I went back and watched those episodes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it was the episode where he met his, like, little wiener kid son. He <laughs> was also a homunculus. But no, it got me into FMA, which is great. And just to uh, see Bebop on Toonami, you know, Steve Blum doing a show and also hosting the show. Back again, introducing introducing us to new stuff. Uh. I didn't even mind Bleach for a while until I did. <laughs> And then later that summer, they would get two new shows in the form of the uh, hidden gem, Samurai 7, and a show that I didn't like at first, but later became one of my all-time favorites in Eureka 7. And also, uh, this new era would be the start of my 10-year run of live-tweeting Toonami every week, baby! (laughs) Man, it's been going on that long. 10 years and going. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) With some missed weekends here and there, but who cares? (laughs) And later that fall, Toonami would would expand to a full six hours, adding even more shows. Such as uh, Symbionic Titan and the Thundercats reboot, which were kind of cast off by Cartoon Network at the time. It was my first time watching Titan, and I fucking loved it. And also, like, I like the Thundercats reboot. I know it's not great, but it's fun. It's fun. I mean, Symbi- Symbionic was more my jam. Like, I love please Symbionic give me, Titan. Please give me more of that gen- that good Gendy goodness. Also, it was the first uh, cartoon you'd see actual twerking. <laughs> <laughs> you know the shake it, pick it, booty quick. I mean, round, don't break it. Yeah, that was that was that was kind of funny. To yeah, <laughs> and and of course, sadly, cut down before its time as well. Yeah. What was it? Uh, Twenty episodes, I believe. Yep. Oh, God. And they had scripts for like more episodes, like already written. How sad. Mm-hmm. But uh, also around this time, they brought back Naruto in unconformed, no less. And there was also uh, Inuyasha and Tenshimuyo GXP. Uh, <laughs> and all of you winners there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, somewhere out there, JP was all like, yeah, Inuyasha. 
But uh, entering 2013, we also got Soul Eater, baby! Ooh! Which was my first time watching that, because I had heard about it, but I never saw it. I saw it, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I had already seen it before, but, like, I already knew that was a good fit for Toonami. Yep. And just, like, a good first year of Toonami. You know, a little slow at the start, but hey, that's just, you know, when you bring it back, you gotta work out some kinks. And then, full-on Toonami by the end of the year. And then soon after that, Toonami would be getting its first makeover of the Adult Swim era. Because uh, up until that point, they've been using, like, uh, a version of the Tom 3 look, but they called it Tom 3.5. And also, like, uh, outside of a little Easter egg bumper one random night that showed Tom 3.5 talking to Tom 4, confirming that they were two separate Toms, there was no mention of Tom 4 at all. April 27th, 2013, it would usher in, like, the new era of Tom right here. Like, this new look, new absolution, and new Sarah, too. And, like, she's back, and no longer British. <laughs> now being played by Dana Swanson. Who, uh, by the way, uh, apparently she was uh, brought in to just do the temp track for Sarah, but like they liked her performance so much that they were like, okay, you're Sarah full time. She's been a good fit ever since then. I like her a lot. I love her personality for Sarah. Like she gives like, she kind of helps like, you know, soften Tom up a bit, you know, like they kind of have like that brother-sister relationship between the two. Mm -hmm. Like she works well off Steve. And uh, after getting this new look, the following month, May 2013, it would also mark the return of One Piece on Toonami with like the awesome Pirate Tom promo. <laughs> Mmm, delicious. Please, yes, bring it back. The vast Toonami faithful that follow the sea. Pay close attention and learn what will be. If you're itching for a fight or adventure you seek, One Piece returns starting next week. Way Anchor sets sail. Luffy is back. Rubber Fist Straw Hat. Gum Gum Attack. To be king of pirates, that be the goal. But the treacherous blue sea will take its toll. Bottles have raged on many a shore, but we join the fight in season four. So buckle up, take arms, the straw hats are on, as we join our tale at Long Ring Long. You looking for a fight? Because we'll be happy to give you one. One Piece returns next Saturday at 1. The sooner I can pound your face in, the better! You don't know what you're getting into. Only Tsunami. Full Adult Swim. And this was the motivation I needed to finally get into One Piece. Tsunami bringing it back. <laughs> Because when they announced it, they weren't going to start from the beginning. They were going to start at uh, Long Ring Longland arc, because that was when it was in HD and after uh, Sky P, which they already aired. Mm -hmm. So I was all like, okay, they announced it in March 2013. They air in May. Got a couple months to get caught up. And I did get caught up. I blammed through the <laughs> anime at that point. And you joined the crew. I, I became a Nakama. <laughs> <laughs> like, I succeeded, like... Down to the wire, I was just finishing up uh, Skypea right when uh, Long Ring Long Land started. And then, like, after that, I got into the manga, and now, to this day, I'm all caught up with everything. I'm officially a big One Piece fan. And it's all thanks to Toonami. And I would say, with the arrival of this, like, new Tom, this was when Adult Swim Toonami really hit its stride. And it would only get bigger and better in uh, 2014. The new year would kick off with the arrival of Naruto Shippuden after it escaped uh, Disney XD jail. By the way, never forget that Disney XD aired Shippuden for like <laughs> a cup of coffee. Uh, uh, not, not the proper place for it. Yeah, like, Toonami had to wait for the rights to end before they can snap it up. So it was just playing a waiting game for a while. But uh, that same night in uh, 2014, that January 2014, we were introduced to uh, another guy. Not just any guy. A certain guy. A 
a dandy guy in space. <laughs> space dandy baby. Hey, give it up give it up to the give it up to dandy. And the to crew make, of the Aloha Oi. <laughs> and to make this even better, this was a world premiere as we got it before it aired in Japan even. Like hours before it aired in Japan. And it was also a simul dub. Technically not the first simul dub. There was another simul dub beforehand, but considering that I don't remember the show, you can tell how that went. But this was the simul dub that really put the concept on the map, like really put it over like this is a viable option to get anime dubbed and ready for fans, like and not have to wait a year for like a Blu-ray release. Yeah, it was ahead of its time in some regards. And and well, and even though so, even though it had been attempted before on other works, uh, this it, you could I think it did like help to popular popularize it a bit more. Yeah, because beforehand they tried it, but like it never took off. Like we had to wait until 2014 to actually see Funimation see Simuldoves as a very viable option because later that fall after Space Dandy ended, they started like okay, we'll do the same thing, but with some of our uh, simulcasting shows, you know, like Psychopaths season two, and I think the show called Laughing Under the Clouds. And, like, that did well, so they added more and more shows, and now, like, eight years later, we're still feeling these effects of, like, simuldubs being the norm, and it's kind of all thanks to Space Dandy, in a way. Well, the the other larger thing to consider, too, is that they were getting exclusive rights to airing a Shinichiro Watanabe work. Yeah, I kind of buried the lead there, but yeah, this was a Watanabe anime, too. <laughs> and it was and it, it was promoted very heavily, that, like they, that, like, they were going to get, like, a crack team of animators and, like, guest animators to work on it. A new one each week. Like, this was, a, like, it was a big deal for Watanabe. It was a big benchmark in his career. All of this on top of being an amazing show. Like, Space Dandy is the greatest. It's a great show, and I'm a, and I'm a bit sad to see that it's kind of getting forgotten about in recent yeah, years. Yeah, kind, of kind of the side effects of, like, the streaming era and, like, following seasonal anime where you kind <sighs> yeah. of on to the next new thing. Yeah, it's, it's a bit sad to see. Yeah. Wish we could gush about it more here, but uh, put a pin in that for now. Also, in 2014, we got a ton of other big shows, like Black Lagoon, Attack on Titan, that dub premiered on Toonami, Gurren Lagann... Helsing Ultimate, perfect around the fall time, Halloween time there. And one show that everyone was clamoring for since Toonami came back, that was Dragon Ball Z Kai. Dragon Ball is back on Toonami, baby. Mmm, back home. And in the best possible form, yes, I said it, if you want to watch DBZ, watch Kai. Do not watch the original anime, because that's slow as hell. Eh, yeah. You know, it trims all the fat, and it has the much better dub. Unfortunately, it, uh... It has the lesser soundtrack because the original soundtrack was uh, turned out to be plagiarized, so that had to get cut. Mm. And uh, it doesn't have the uh, episode where Goku and Piccolo drive cars. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> We're missing great context there. Yeah, you know, we we can have some filler episodes, you know, driving cars or Krillin with, like, his hoochie mama. <laughs> and uh, we also got other shows like Blue Exorcist, Beware the Batman, and Inuyasha, the final act. Again, can't be all, all be winners here. <laughs> I give so, I give Beware the Batman some credit. <laughs> yes, kind of a, a modicum of credit. It was it wasn't it wasn't the worst Batman show ever, but like again, it's like uh, whatever. Like it's, it's not the Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Batman. <laughs> and again, like leftovers from like what the DC? What was it? The DC Nation block? Yeah, back DC then? Nation. Like eh, yeah, like feel, might as well take it onto the block. I feel like adopted. if you were gonna get a DC Nation show, could they have not gotten Green Lantern? Yeah, that would have been way better. Yeah, but what are you gonna do? It's probably cheaper. And Batman's more popular. And so, going on into 2015, uh, they would keep things rolling with uh, new additions, like Kill a Kill, so you're a Kill a Kill episode to hear us talk about it, and Michiko and Hachin from uh, Sayo Yamamoto, so you know it's good. 
And also around this time, we get our first shows from Sentai Filmworks. They kind of joined the uh, Tsunami pool of uh, anime companies here with Akame Ga Kill and Parasite. I will say Akame Ga Kill is garbage, but it was fun garbage. <laughs> and Parasite, I enjoyed at the time, but I can't be bothered to go back to watch it again. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I have to confess, neither of them have been have seemed very appealing to me for rewatches. Eh, I don't blame you. Also, stay to that fucking Parasite opening. Jesus Christ, that sucked. Ugh, yeah, that, that OP kind of sucked. Just the... Fuck's sake. Terrible. Annoying. Though these won't be the only things to come out of Toonami in 2015, as we also got our first total immersion event since Trapped in Hyperspace. That being Intruder 2. Oh, guess who's back? Back again. Intruder's back. Tell a friend. I remember when they announced this over a year in advance that they were going to do Intruder 2. And everyone was just super hyped, like, holy shit, we got more Intruder, oh my god. Because we, we had been waiting so long for something like that to reappear again. Yeah, because, like, other than, like, the shows itself, the total immersion events are what makes Toonami Toonami. Like, that, those little They're, they're an important cornerstone, I will say. And I also remember, like, when it was announced, like, there was a bit of a call to action by the Toonami crew to, like, make sure everyone, uh, when they're live-tweeting Toonami, make sure they tweet, hashtag, Intruder 2, so, like, keep it trending... The entire night, and depending on how long in trends and how high trends, the uh, producers will be all like, okay, we can increase your budget depending on how much interest there is to this uh, project. And uh, safe to say, they succeeded with that one. As, yeah, the original Truder from the original special returns, and he's out for revenge. And even cooler, he's taken over the destroyed remains of Tom One, and is once again voiced by Sonny Strait. That was a really clever move. <laughs> I love that creative choice so much. Like... I think it was the third part where we finally got to see the new intruder. And, like, when I saw him, I saw Tom One in this big amorphous blob, and I heard Sonny's voice. I'm just all like, they did it! Oh my god, that's amazing! Ah. <laughs> that was so fucking cool, they brought him back. Like, and he was happy to be back. You hear him in interviews talk about being back to play Tom again. Oh, that was wonderful. And just, holy shit, it just... Everything happens in this event. Like, the absolution is destroyed. Sarah is killed at one point, And... We even get, like, a bit of a bombshell up to what happened to, like, Tom 4, Face Tom. What happened to him after he made his farewell in 2008. The intruder killed him! Like, we find out, like, there was a tie-in comic which showed, like, Tom 4 and, like, his sidekicks running away from the intruder and was left ambiguous. But in a later part of the special, the intruder was all like, Oh yeah, you know your other self that I found on that other planet? I killed him, and then I used him to track you down, Tom. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's incredible. It, it felt like a long time coming, this kind of, like, catch-up with uh, the Toonami lore. Yeah. And in the end, you know, Tom blows up the Absolution, you know, blows up the ship that the intruder was on, and he has a new base of operations on this planet called Shogo 162. And he's able to recover Sarah, and he's got a new uh, arm which sticks around him for a long time. Amazing event. It was, like, easily my favorite Toonami Total Immersion event ever. Yeah, one of one of the absolute best. Like, and still to this day, the absolute best of the new era. There's some good ones down the line, but, like, even they can't compare to, like, Intruder 2. Mm, no, not really. And it was, like, what, over, what, 15 years in the making since the original? Yes. Yeah. Going into 2016, Toonami would bring in some more heavy hitters, such as Hunter x Hunter, one Punch Man, the good season. And they even had the return of Gundam to Toonami with uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Like, I remember hearing stories about, like, uh, Jason DeMarco and the Toonami crew having to go to Sunrise Studios in Japan to, like, get the rights to air Gundam because Sunrise is super protective of uh, Gundam. Jeez, the effort going through for that. And we got more Gundam since then. Like, we got the Origin and, U and Unicorn down the line, too. So, like, it worked out in their favor. 
But that was not all, as the uh, Toonami New World was introduced to Jojo, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes, I, and, I was, and I was and I was hoping for that one. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! Just all the stories of these male model hunks fighting each other using Hamon and then stands and just going all like making poses and shit and uh it was me Dio and everything but again guys using their wits and like human spirit to like defeat enemies like it was it was right at home with Toonami it was the perfect Toonami show people have been saying for a long time JoJo's should be on Toonami and they finally got it since like uh they had to wait a while they had to wait for Viz to get a hold of the rights and then once Viz got the rights they were able to like license it for like a fair price Seeing JoJo every weekend on Toonami and hearing, like, you know, roundabout and walk like an Egyptian for the endings, like, not get cut, like, uh, it's so good. And, like, it got me into JoJo. Like, I became a JoJo fan thanks to uh, Toonami getting it. <laughs> and hearing the amazing dub, like, one of the best English dubs in recent memory. Mm, fantastic stuff. And a dub that knows how to do a creative swearing, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and a fun fact about Toonami in 2016, uh, one of the shows they aired was uh, Samurai Champloo, which was a Adult Swim classic. But uh, that was a backup plan. Originally, they intended to air The Woman Called Fujiko Mine instead. Mmm. But unfortunately, they couldn't because uh, editing it for TV would have been a nightmare. <laughs> That's a very nudity-heavy series. Fujiko is naked in practically every episode. Yes. And even also the opening. It's well, like, if you if you were going to edit for that series, you'd be, like, doing, like, showgirls edits for that. It'd just be, like, black bars all over the screen. Yeah. You, you would have to effectively just change the entire work of a sad part of uh, Sayu Yamamoto really wanting to amp up Fujiko's sexiness for the series, because at that point it couldn't get on TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the downside of that was just killing its airability on TV. Yeah, it, it was too hot for TV, and like also shame because it's actually a good addition to the Lupin franchise. Like, it's a really good series. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic looking series. And uh, another fun 2016 fact, uh, this was the year we first started doing our Toonami panels at Anime Detour! Yes! Which is available to watch on YouTube, our very first panel. And uh, keep in mind, we are pretty hungover during that one, so if we sound a little slow and lethargic, that's why. <laughs> but no, like, we started that that year, and we've been going every year, ever since, skipping single years because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's been a fun time ever since. Yep, and uh, since most of our Toonami panels are available to watch online, either on YouTube or on our podcast feed, I'll be mostly skimming over the stuff since we've talked about it in those panels, too. Yeah, so we, we don't need to, like, go over, like, too much around this around this point in the podcast. Yeah. Then when Saturn News around 2016, unfortunately in September, we lost C. Martin Croker, the voice of Moltar around the time. And good job on Tsunami for doing a nice tribute for Moltar to send him off. Yeah, that was very nice for them to like not forget your past like that. And in true Moltar fashion, his final message was snarkily saying that he was a better host than Tom <laughs> and also so long suckers. Ah, and so long to you too, sucker. May your oven burn forevermore. By the end of 2016, Toonami would get its next Total Immersion event in Intruder 3, which had nothing to do with the original Intruder, but eh, it was a way to get Tom off Shogo 162. I don't think it should have been like titled that. No, it was only called Intruder because like a sandworm got into like uh, the base on Shogo 162. Yeah, yeah. No, the original had like a direct tie to like the previous Intruder. Yeah, unless it has a blob monster, don't call it Intruder. Right. And, but this was the start of Tom and Sarah getting back up into space and having a new ship called The Vindication. Great name, by the way. Mm, that is really good. And in 2017, we would get some new Dragon Ball with Dragon Ball Super, which was uh, cool to see more uh, new Dragon Ball on Toonami now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And overall, the series was pretty fun for what it's worth, though it definitely dragged in those final few arcs. Like, holy shit. Mm, yeah. Like, that Tournament of Power arc had some atrocious pacing. 
Yeah. Also, Super kind of went out of its way to make Goku kind of an idiot, even more than usual. <laughs> like, even having him say he never kissed Chi-Chi, despite the fact that they had two kids and are married. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind that, Goku? Yeah, like what? Do you not do kissing? <laughs> do you exchange DNA through kisses? <laughs> Or maybe it's like the DBZ abridged joke where just Chi-Chi does all the work and Goku's just laying back. Oh, God. Just like, ka me ha me <laughs> Honey, this is some weird wrestling we're doing right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge. I gotta take a challenge. Uh, but uh, speaking of DBZ abridged, I gotta bring this up. Uh, around this time, Kai made it to the uh, Boo Saga. And during the World Tournament uh, portion of the arc, there's the bit where, like, they're at the tournament and they're watching, like, a cheap film of, like, the events of the Cell Saga. You know, it's done pretty poorly and they're, like, cracking jokes about it. But uh, all the actors in that film were all voiced by Team Four Star. <laughs> like, that, was one of the coo- that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, Moscow was Goku. <laughs> For a dub. Uh, Lanny Pator was Vegeta, Kaiser was Cell, and uh, Taka was Mr. Satan doing his, uh, Napa voice. Cell? We will stop you, Cell! I have brought together the greatest champions Earth has to offer! That's me! Like the Pickle Monster! And the Prince of All Zions! <laughs> I'm bringing on you, Ninny! How rude! Hi ya! Hi ya! Oh, I like, hold on. This is tripe. I don't know, guys. <laughs> this is the best show I've ever seen. <laughs> Losers! You thought you were hot, when in fact, you were not! You are most unkind. <laughs> My power is maximum! Hold it! Huh? Tremble! <laughs> Hold on, I'm up to keep rolling. Tremble in fear, for it is I, the great Mr. Satan! It's Mr. Satan! <laughs> Seriously? Who wrote this joke? And how come they made me look like a bobblehead? Huh, you foolish little man! Shabam! <laughs> Shabam yourself! What? How did you get so strong? With push-ups and sit-ups and plenty of juice! Oh, uh, yes, you make a good point, but then so do I! Ha! Think of this as your chances! No! You have shown me the error of my ways! I beg of you, forgive me! Never! Your crimes against humanity cannot go unpunished! I shall now send you to the next dimension! C-U-N-H-F-I-L! Mondo, cool! His coolness is over 9,000! Over 9,000? Justice prevails! Make sure to purchase all Mr. Satan merchandise at your local vendor. But unfortunately, it was cut prior to air because Toei caught wind of it and they threatened Funimation with taking away DBZ if they aired it. Ah, oh, gotta take away all the, all your all our fun. They hate TFS, and it's like, come on, guys, uh, come on. They helped. They helped to like keep the brand alive during all this time. You know, totally. Mark. No, people criticize totally not Mark for saying DBZ abridged helped keep dvz alive during like time of new sh- of no new shows but i agree with them like i wouldn't have discovered my love of dvz again without dvz abridged i have consumed all of Dra- i've consumed most if not all dragon ball z through team four star yeah. <laughs> so 
So don't bitch to me and say that, like, I have not credibly watched Dragon Ball. Like, ooh, I haven't seen all those special OVAs that they released in Japan. Ooh, uh, I'm not a terrible... Ooh, sorry, I don't have time these days. Oh, I don't have time to play all the video games they release on PlayStation 2. I just get, yeah, like, thankfully someone recorded this on, like, the on-demand version, so we still have it. But yeah, it's just a shame they cut it on TV. Because otherwise, that is just an incredibly cool move. Yeah. And very funny. Very, very funny. Like, they even throw jokes where you have... Vid- Lanny as Vegeta going, over 9,000, or throwing in some references to, like, their stuff, too. Well, also just, like, even just, like, awkward actor dialogue that is, like, delivered so well by them. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, all naturally, too, you know, we have Taka going all, like, Tremble, tre- uh, now, now let's keep on, keep going, Tremble and fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Master Satan. It was, yeah, it was a legitimately well-pulled-off effort. Like, yeah. masterful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now, but now that kind of work can only really exist through, like, clips online. Yeah. And also, don't try to ask TFS about this because they legally can't say that was them. Oh, God. Yeah. You can you can speculate rough. and have other people say it, but they can't say it. Oh. They can neither confirm nor deny it. That's that's so unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, 2017 will also mark the return of a uh, certain samurai as he uh, has to get back. Back to the past. Samurai Jack Season 5. Yeah, holy shit. Get, like, actually continuing Samurai Jack. Allowing Gendy to finally complete his baby right here. I cannot overstate how important that was to me at the time. Yes, the long-awaited conclusion, finally, after all these years. To one of my favorite shows of all time. And on Adult Swim, no less, which means they can get away with more blood, some swearing, and some killing, too. Mm Mm-hmm. But sorry to say, putting a pin in this one for now... We'll know why in a bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to that one. And despite not getting Woman Called Fujiko Mine in 2016, we did eventually get some Lupin in 2017 with Part 4, The Italian Adventure. It is a great season, and also Rebecca will always be my Lupin colleague. I love her. Yeah, that was actually my first full introduction to Lupin, actually. Oh, so you never you didn't see any of the other iterations yet? No, no, I, I watched, I think I watched Fujiko Mine after that. Oh, okay. So yeah, part four was my big introduction to Lupin. Okay, uh, prior to me seeing Fujiko Mine, I did see uh, enough episodes of Lupin Part 2 back in, like, 03 in the days. Like, I fondly remember the episode where they're trying to get the wine from Paris, and they're, like, sneaking in, like, barrels of wine, too. <laughs> but then It was they... also part two I experienced, I found out about after part four. Yeah, and it's a great part, by the way. I love the the cheesy dialogue of part two. Mm-hmm. But part four, like, that that was a very good start, part to start on. Like, that's a lot of fun. I re- That's, like, if you've never seen Lupin, like, part four is a good starting off point. Very solid starting, starting point. And then once you watch that, then you can watch, like, all the other parts. You can watch Castle of Cagliostro. You can watch Woman Called Fujiko Mine. Like, it's a good jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, around this time, Outlaw Star made its return to Toonami. And uncut for the first time ever on Toonami. <laughs> so no uh, digitally added swimsuits in some scenes or cutting an entire Hot Springs episode. <laughs> and we also got our fifth total immersion event called Countdown. And uh, not the DC comic story arc that everyone hates. As uh, it evolves Tom being sent to the future where Sarah has taken over the Vindication after uh, passing through an unknown nebula. And then, you know, like wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, fighting some evil. And then it, and it concluded with Tom, you know, getting a new battle damage form after he uh, helped save Sarah and come back to the past. Yeah, that was alright. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And I did I did enjoy battle damage Tom for the while we had him. It did kind of make me... It, I, I was a little, like, iffy on that where I was like, yeah, but shouldn't you just give him a new body by this point? Yeah, I, f- I feel like they were really, like holding off on that one for a while until they got it right. And in 2018, uh, one of the biggest developments for Toonami was the return of Fooly Cooly. Two new seasons of Fooly Cooly entitled Progressive and Alternative. 
which we covered in our very first episode of the podcast. Yes, quite a big deal. And I know people don't fondly remember them nowadays, but I still like them for what they were and what they tried to be. I mean, yeah, at the time it was a cool, like, like again, we've talked about it before, yeah. but like, it was, it was cool at the time for them to try and make more and recapture some of that magic. I don't think they were successful in that. <laughs> Given the limitations, they, they did a good enough job. Right, right. They, they made a, they, they gave it the old college try. <laughs> and like, and of course, nothing beats the original. Like, the original is untouchable. Oh yeah, you, you absolutely can't. <laughs> but I gotta say, Alternative is legitimately good, and I will hear nothing otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, we'll get our uh, next Total Immersion event, The Forge. Uh, one Total Immersion event that I would say comes close to beating out Intruder 2 as like one of the best ones. I will agree with that. It, it is actually good. You know, involves Tom fighting this commander that he calls Booger, who runs this giant space station called The Forge. And he's also voiced by Bo Billingsley. So Steve Blum and Bo Billingsley together again Aww. after Cowboy Bebop. I'm nice. And it also kind of, like, uh, gives us a new backstory for Tom. Like, he's, like, one of these many different Tom robots that are, like, mass-produced in the Forge right here. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy that they did this new backstory for him. Yeah, it was, it, was very, it was very welcome to see. And this ends with Tom getting, finally getting that new look, ushering in the current Tom 6 era. Like, he looks cool. It took for fucking ever, but we finally got Tom 6. We finally got Tom 6. After dealing with years and years of him having that mismatched arm, we finally got a full new uniform Tom. And I guess maybe at this point, I would actually like to um, pose the question, what is your favorite version of Tom? Uh, ooh, do like the current Tom 6, but I gotta say my favorite Tom, probably Tom 2, because I feel like if you show that picture to anyone on the street, they would say, that's Toonami right there. Like, I feel like Tom 2 is quintessentially Toonami. I, I would have to agree with that, too. Tom Tom 2 is absolutely my favorite. I think maybe Tom 3 comes after that, and then Tom 1. I'm sorry to say, like, all of the, all of the newer designs for Tom have not come close to that. Mm, yeah. I still, I still like them, but, like, they're a far cry from, like, the originals. I can understand that, yeah. And everyone hates Tom 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Tom 4 is, like... Like, all of them, all of them are, like, pretty close to each other. All the other Toms are pretty close to each other. But Tom Forrest in, like, like dips down several stories <laughs> past them all in badness. Like, here's all the other Toms. Here's shit. Here's scum. Here's then, Tom Ford. And then all the way at the bottom is Tom Ford. <laughs> <laughs> That's my attitude on it. Yeah, yeah. And this leads us into the modern era of Toonami, which we are here today. And, you know, despite ratings not being what they were years ago, they are still going strong. Yes, they're not pulling in millions of viewers each and every week, but uh, ratings aren't as big of a deal as you think it is nowadays. Everyone's turned to streaming. Some streaming boxes don't track, track ratings anymore. I think you may have noticed that I'm not, like, as zealous as you are <laughs> when, when it comes to the subject of, like, tsunami criticism these days. And that's more just because, like, I recognize there there are some points here and there or something, but, like... Yeah, they do make points. Yeah, like, because, like, we, we have, like, a close friend who, like, um, you know, kind of prefers the older days of Toonami and finds that, like... And the, I respect the, that. The newer Toonami these days is kind of something entirely new and, like, it can do its own thing, but, like, the original era of Toonami will be on, like, anything that even gets made today. I've still been... I've, I, I've adopted a more uh, chill take on a Toonami these days. It's like, I'm still happy for its existence. I'm, I, I, I do legitimately believe that the world would be a much darker place if we didn't, did not have Toonami here. Yeah, definitely. But, um, no, I'm a, lot more, I'm a lot more cool and chill about it, like Tom actually is these days. Yeah. It's like, hey, to, 
Hey, Toonami's on the block. Like, hey, it's a chance to check out some new stuff because I'm also shit in my own personal life at watching new stuff. Like, Toonami these days is still my go-to excuse for watching new anime. Much of the new anime I still check out these days is actually through Toonami. And I may not keep up with it every week, but it's always there for me. It's always there for me there to watch on reruns through, like, cable channels or even online services and stuff. Like, it's... I I am I'm I'm seated comfortably in knowing that Toonami is pretty much in a stable place right now where like it is, you know, financially viable to keep going forward, you know. It's the I I generally get the impression that Toonami is it's its overall production is fairly low stakes in the grand scheme of things, which is why I which is why why again like you I don't really care much about like ratings talk. Oh, like I don't it. care about ratings either. Like my point about this is like the ratings aren't as big as they once were, like, when it came back, but it's, like, and people are just, like, harping on it, saying, like, oh, the ratings are down, you know, I'm going to die any day soon. And I'm just like, guys, just just chill, they, they have been saying that for years now, and they have still proven wrong. Yeah, so, like, my point is, it's, like, don't get all caught up on the ratings. Like, you know, I know people want to discuss the ratings, you know, how they're not as good as in years past. But it's and just I know like, a lot of people like to flaunt how smart they are that they bother to read ratings and, and it, that they and that how and how they can predict how things will go. And it's just so like, just please leave the ratings alone. Ratings don't matter anymore. Like me personally, the only ratings I care about are like the AEW ratings because it's a new pro- it's a new company of wrestling. So you want to impress me? Bring up any other data other than the ratings. Yes, please. And then I will listen to you. Like they don't look at ratings anymore, really. They look at like social media trends and everything like that. Like you know, are people talking about this? Are they tuning in every week? If they are, grand, it's fine. Yeah. And like yeah, you know, tsunami may not be the same as it is back in the day, but that's all right. I hear the question brought up. You know, why do we need tsunami nowadays if it's not the same as it once back then? The reason, like, you watch it is, like, to keep up with some, like, current anime without having to go to, like, Crunchyroll or, like, High Dive or whatever. That's why we need Toonami. Just for, like, people who, like, don't, like, follow seasonal anime religiously. Just people who want to tune in every Saturday night and just kind of watch things, you know, a la carte. You know, given to you on a plate. Like, here we go. Here's what we have. Hope you find something you enjoy. I have, well, like, I also have the point of, like, why not? Yeah. Like, why not have Toonami around anymore? You know. You want a world where, like, it doesn't exist? Yeah. like how is that? How is that any happier of a place to be? Yeah. Also, it's free. Free television. Like you can just tune in. You tune in every. I mean, it's night. it's just out there for you. Just there, there for you. There, there for you if you want it to be. Yeah. Like sure, you can stream My Hero Academia, but there's also like say you know somebody's just tuning into Adult Swim on a random Saturday night. They see My Hero and they go, "Oh, this looks neat. I will keep watching this and I'll watch week to week." You know, it's for it's to introduce new fans to the world of Toonami. Like Toonami should and always be like a gateway into into the wider anime world for newcomers and yeah and i think yeah i think you can have some valid criticism that you you can uh throw out some valid criticism that uh like 10 a.m or 11 like no 10 p.m or 11 p.m and like depending on your time zone is still not a good time for like a block like that yeah like i understand that like if you live on the east coast like staying up to midnight to watch maybe one or two shows maybe not be viable for you like we're lucky and we're in the uh the sweet spot of the central time zone where it's like it starts a a more reasonable 11 p.m. for us, you know, and it doesn't go too late, but it's Saturday night, who cares? Yeah, it's it, it can be rough depending on the time zone you're, you're in. You know, I do would like to go back to some of the days where, like, you know, even during the Adult Swim run, where we started at, like, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., like, I miss those days. Like, I do agree with the point that Toonami should just get all of Saturday night. Maybe a lead-in of, like, King of the Hill or Rick and Morty and then Toonami, but, like, 
they should have most of Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always feel that uh, Jason DeMarco, he's very transparent with the fans. And, you know, if he's not panicking, then why should we? Like, if he's chill about it, then that's fine. We should have, we have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I, I, give a, I give a lot of credit to DeMarco. He has been very upfront with fans after all these years that Toonami has been back. Yeah. Very transparent about, like, how the about how the whole channel's been going and what's been going on. If, if something was going wrong with Toonami, if it was on the verge of ending or something... I would trust that he would tell inform us of that. Yeah, like, he was even upfront about, like, why certain shows can't be on Toonami, you know? Like, why, like, uh, why don't we show Darling in the Franks? And he's like, oh, because I hate it. It sucks. Or, like, uh, you know, why isn't Boruto back? Oh, uh, because uh, not enough people were watching it, so he didn't think it was worth it. Or, like, why did One Piece leave? Because uh, the pricing was too high and we couldn't afford it anymore. I mean, having having your, your, your baby project be canceled once and then brought back has got to be a humbling experience. Yeah. And and so like you, you would probably I would hope that like an experience like that would make you think that like I I, I don't I want to be completely upfront with people so that we don't have anything as abrupt as the ending of the previous generation of Toonami ever again. Like we don't want a moment where it's like Toonami's canceled. By the way, tonight's the last airing. Yes. Like we don't yes. want that again. It costs nothing to be that transparent, and you and only good things can come from it. The past couple of years. Maybe not have been great for Toonami, mainly because of the you-know-what that's still going on. Yeah. Like, 2020 did kind of hurt it a bit, and some parts of 2021 were pretty weak. But uh, they're still getting new and, like, major shows, and, like, we're even getting more Toonami original shows. From 2021 through 2023, Toonami will have a total of seven original shows on the block. Like, that's really good. Like, look back in the day with IGPX, that was just one show during that whole 10-year run. Like, in this 10-year run, we've had multiple, like, not even those seven, but we also had, like, Space Dandy, we had two Fooly Coolies and everything. Yeah, they've been in full swing with new original productions. We're gonna get an adaptation of Jinji Ito's Uzumaki, which I'm super hyped for. Even though it's taken forever to arrive. You know, it's coming, like, Veer Mahan. Ugh. And we also have, like, two new seasons of Fooly Coolie. I don't care, I want more Fooly Coolie. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of cool, I'm kind of cooling on that opinion now. You're Fooly Cooling. <laughs> And, like, you know, this shows to me that uh, the network still has faith in Toonami. Like, they don't they don't see, like, the, the world is ending for them. The sky is falling. Like, they think everything's going fine. And, you know, unless Jason and the crew say something otherwise, I'm not going to stress out about the state of Toonami. Everything's fine. Breathe, people. It is it is not my nature to tell, uh, to tell artists to stop making art just because it's not as good as what it once was. Like, if, 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 if everyone's still getting enjoyment from it, like, why not keep it around? Yeah, you know, like... As long as they're entertaining at least one person, they're doing a good job. And just everyone out there, you know, five-letter word for you. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. And so this year, 2022, Toonami is celebrating its 25th anniversary, the silver anniversary of Toonami right here. And to mark the occasion, we got our most recent Total Immersion event that we only briefly talked about at our panel because it just was announced. But since then, we've seen it. Uh, the Return, which saw the return of the Absolution. It's a very short immersion event, all things considered. Yeah, and it feels like they're setting stuff up for maybe a future event, because they kind of hinted at some stuff. They never really explained, like, why the Absolution is back, or, like, really what's going on here. But, you know what? I'm happy to have the old girl back. Mm-hmm. Just in time for the anniversary, so you know what? That counts for something. Yeah, and that brings us to today. We hope we were we hope we hope were able to cover Toonami's 25-year history Thoroughly enough, but uh, if you're thirsting for more Toonami retrospectives, you can find plenty of those online. Like, uh, some notable ones are there are uh, Rebel Taxi, which was my introduction to Rebel Taxi. He did, like, a two-part Toonami retrospective right when it first came back, and it's like, 
They're short, but they're very sweet. And there's also one made by uh, Caboose Jr., who did one for the 20th anniversary, which includes interviews with the Toonami crew as well. You know, them talking about it coming back. And uh, Captain Christian, he has a nice short uh, retrospective too. And there's also an upcoming uh, fan documentary called The Book of Toonami, which is set to come out in May. You can find a teaser of that on the uh, Toonami Bot Twitter account. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great people since then have offered have offered up some very great retrospectives on the channel. So if you're still starving for more tsunami history lessons right here, or if we missed anything, definitely check those guys out. Like they're going to be doing some great work. So now I bet you're all wondering, why did we spend an entire episode all on the history of tsunami? Well, there is a method to our madness, as summertime is coming, and as you all know, every year we do a big summer of series you know the first year was summer of heroes then it was the summer trigger last year was the summer of music and now this year it will be the summer of toonami this was kind of obvious this, was kind of, <laughs> this seemed a little bit obvious little little obvious right there yeah we, we've been a bit on the nose this whole episode <laughs> giving you a big preamble for the next uh, summer series and it's like we never do any episodes like this what's going on here <laughs> To celebrate Toonami's 25th year, we're spending the entire summer covering Toonami shows. And of course we can't talk about Toonami without going through the history, so, and considering its long history, I felt this part here, going through the history, deserved its own episode. Yeah, it kind of felt appropriate. Yeah, like, I didn't want to take time from the first episode of the series, talking about the history, and then talking about another show. Yeah, would you want it to be that long? I mean, our five-hour episodes tend to be very popular, so maybe but it's just, it. But it's just a history, but it's just history, though. Also, it saves, uh, gives, saves me the, the trouble from editing that beast. Yeah, yeah. Go easy on yourself for that one. <laughs> Space yourself out. Yes. So, here's a rundown of what we're going to be talking about this summer. In May, we're kicking off the summer with an oldie but a goodie as we're talking all about Outlaw Star. Then, in June, we're covering Toonami's first original series, IGPX. In July, we're doing something we've never done before on this program. We're talking about our first non-anime show, but still a Toonami show nonetheless because they show cartoons and not just anime as we're talking about Samurai Jack Season 5. And that being a cartoon, I am I'm going to be personally putting myself forward and taking the reins for that episode. Yep, we'll be switching roles for that one, so you'll be the one taking the lead. Yes, absolutely. Like, this is this is my time to shine. Cartoons, American cartoons, that's, that's my field. <laughs> you know, you're like Brucey in The Longest Yard. It's my time to shine! <laughs> <laughs> And keeping things rolling in August, we're giving you a two-parter as we're covering Seasons 1 and 2 of Space Dandy, baby. It's a big enough show, it deserves two full episodes. Absolutely. And finally, we close things out in September with Toonami's most recent original, Fena Pirate Princess. <laughs> my favorite anime of 2021. And all, many, and just about all these shows, in some way, I also feel are. Um, I mean, <laughs> we could have gone the real obvious route and reviewed like Dragon Ball Z and Cowboy Bebop, Sailor Moon, Gundam. Naruto. Like, no, I feel like I. I think we have a really good selection here, and I think what's uh, going to be fascinating, fascinating to me going forward, is that I do feel in some way uh, some of the all all of these works are in some way um, kind of overshadowed in some way to this day in uh, the grand scheme of Toonami. Yeah, in some In some unique way, each. Like, either, either like, not so much that they don't get the same recognition or respect or anything, but that, like, th there are places in, like, the, the grand history of the channel and even in, like, 
anime, I feel, deserves a, deserves a lot more retrospection and respect to this day. And I feel like with these selections of shows, like, I feel kind of like, I feel it's very quintessentially Toonami, because with Toonami, outside of the big hitters like Dragon Ball Z, Gundam, Sailor Moon, like, they are very much known for showing, like, real niche shows, like, shows that you wouldn't go out of your way to watch, like, if you had access to, like, DVDs, VHSs, or if you have a friend that can, like, burn you a sub-VHS or whatever. Like, with these shows, it's like, you know, it's just like Tom rolling up saying, all like, hey, I got this cool thing for you. Hope you enjoy it. Here's Outlaw Star. <laughs> I think what I'm just trying to say is that, like, all like all the choices we made were not the obvious ones to yeah, make exactly. for Tsunami. <laughs> and I was kind of racking my brain around that. Like, I was strongly considering possibly doing something like DBZ or Sailor Moon, but I thought, nah, mainly because they've been talked about to death, and plus I want to do something with Sailor Moon in the future, hint it, but... I do want to do, like, these shows because they're still Toonami, but they're also kind of, like, a special flavor of Toonami. So, like, I hope you all enjoyed my selections right here, and hey, maybe you might, maybe these might be a gateway to checking out these shows if you haven't checked them out either. <laughs> but no, like, we're running the gamut, and I feel like we have a good variety, mix of old, new, and also shows important to the history of Toonami. Oh yeah, I'm really looking forward to the summer series. And of course, our first western cartoon, because Toonami is not an anime block, it's an action cartoon block. And we are absolutely using this as an excuse to review a really good season of a cartoon. Yes. <laughs> 100%. So, it's gonna be a fun summer. Look forward to it kicking off in May. Thank you all for listening. I've been your host, Mikey, and you can find me at my social medias, at MikeyShota on Twitter, MikeyShota.tumblr.com, and MikeyShota on the gram. Where can we find you, buddy? You can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and WolfishGrin on Tumblr. Follow AnimeBaby on Twitter at Anime underscore Baby. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y. Also follow the show at AnimeBaby.podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And please tune in for this upcoming summer series. We are super excited to be bringing a whole, like a like a whole series of Toonami to all of you. It's gonna be fun. Till next time, stay safe out there. Get vaxxed, get boosted, wear a mask. Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights. Stop Asian hate. Try and make it a good year. And always, as Tom would say, stay gold. This has been Anime Baby. Change to the Absolution Mark 14. Wait, did you say intergalactic broadcast vessel? Well, in that case, let's roll the dice and get back to doing what we do best. <laughs> That's the most Tom thing you've said all day. I still love.
love this job. 